Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio, episode 74 for Thursday, January 13th, 2010. The song, well, 2011, sorry. Uh, the song you just heard was Street Fighter II, Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy, V-E-R-T-E-X Guy. You can get that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that number is 347-324-3541. All right, we are one episode away from episode number 75. Pretty big milestone, 75 episodes in the can. Very proud of that. Um, Some housekeeping first. Of course, this past week, MyTakeRadio.com was down for maintenance as we were trying to launch MyTakeRadio 3.0. During that time, there was a couple of issues with a new theme and some HTML and some other stuff. 3.0 debuted. Uh, Some things weren't working on the back end. I actually ended up getting an email from the hosting company about some issues with that. So, unfortunately, that, you know, I had to take it down for a bit. But now, 3.0 is back up. A lot of the code was removed, and it's going to just be a work in progress in terms of customization. So, give it some time. It'll be good as new in no time. That theme as of right now seems to be the theme everybody likes. It may be subject to change in the coming days. Who knows? You may see something totally different come Monday, but that seems to be where we are at for the moment. This week I also launched My Take Radio t-shirts. You can actually get those at mytakeradiotees.spreadshirt.com. You can check out some of the shirts there. Um, There's also a hoodie there, a woman's shirt, and a standard tee and a ringer t-shirt. I tried to price them within everybody's budget, but unfortunately, you know, you got to give people a cut of the money as well. So I priced them as competitive as possible. By all means, if you want to get yourself a shirt and support the show, go to mytakeradiotees.spreadshirt.com and you can get a shirt there or a hoodie or any of the other stuff I'm going to be putting up in the coming days. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, the Facebook fan page, we crossed 600 fans. Welcome new fans. Definitely a uh, step in the right direction. NPR is getting a lot of exposure. People are enjoying it. So I'm very, I'm very happy to see us break the 600 threshold. Um, before you know it, we'll be at 1,000 fans, and that's when we'll really start talking. The donation button was removed. Uh, I took it down primarily because of the site and the way the site is laid out. Will it be making a return? Who knows, but work in progress, so it is what it is. Ads, there's actually going to be ads being offered for purchase. If you'd like to buy some ad space on mytakeradio.com or commercial space during a broadcast, by all means, send me an email, mtrhost at gmail.com, and we can make some arrangements. Um, The forums, 
actually have been getting a lot of activity. I was looking through the stats, a lot of great content going in. We got some good members in there. If you haven't joined, I recommend you do. It's mytakeradio.com slash forums. Stop in there. Get in touch with some of the other listeners. Talk about some stuff that's not covered on the show. Definitely a cool place to hang out, and I'm not even saying that because I'm in there a lot, but just because everybody seems to enjoy themselves. I've added chat functionality to the forum as well, so you'll be able to see that too. In addition to that, new content will be coming in from This Week in Wrestling as well as MMA Valor as always. Uh, this Week in Wrestling actually had a an article for the TNA Genesis pay-per-view, which I could not put up because the site was down for maintenance, but keep an eye out because probably for the next pay-per-view they will be submitting some content. And, of course, our app on iTunes you can get. It's $1.99. Just head over to iTunes, type in My Take Radio, and you can pick up a My Take Radio app. With that, you'll be getting access to some other exclusive stuff that I'll be adding to the future episodes. In addition to that, there'll be wallpapers for your phone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Check that out. Uh, the Shorty Awards are going on. We are being nominated for gaming and entertainment. I actually think we got a nomination for journalism as well. I believe the awards are still going on. If you like what we do, take a moment, go to shortyawards.com, shorty, like get shorty, awards.com, and nominate My Take Radio. It's only open, though, to Twitter users, so if you're on Twitter, you can vote. If you're not, either join it or, um, you know, just let it be. But shortyawards.com to vote for My Take Radio, either for gaming, entertainment, or journalism. Last but not least, of course, uh, my guest this evening will be Michael Jai White. He should be calling it at around 1130. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of things he's working on. I want to actually ask him about Black Dynamite, which I'm a huge fan of as a slick and a lot of the listeners. Also want to talk about his work on The Dark Knight. Um, also some of the movies he's done, Blood and Bone, Universal Soldier. He's also going to be directing the sequel for Never Back Down. And he's involved in another project with Yang Wu Ping. Um, actually, no, I think it's with Sui Hark, if I'm correct. My notes are not in front of me, and I want to definitely ask him about that. Also want to ask him a, a lot about martial arts, just because he's he's had a pretty good career with that. So definitely going to be talking about that. Um, time permitting, we'll give you the MMA news brief for this week. A lot of stuff happened in MMA, so I'm going to try to get to that. We're also going to be talking TNA Genesis. Of course, all these are time-permitting, of course. Uh, TNA's pay-per-view this past weekend was uh, far from good, but definitely totally abysmal. So I'm going to talk about that. Monday Night Raw, the MPD numbers for the holiday season have come through. Needless to say, uh, some surprising numbers and some totally expected ones given the holiday season this year. So hopefully we'll talk about that. Your movie news, of course, that we I got some Batman news for you guys and a couple of other things as well. But on, until 11.30, I figured we should take care of some MMA business first. And with that, let's talk some MMA. All right, let's talk some MMA. First off, it is now official. George St. Pierre will be defending his welterweight belt against Jake Shields at UFC 129 in Toronto. It's going to be Toronto's first UFC event. That's going to be happening April 30th at the Rogers Center in Toronto. 
Of course, the huge expectation is that it will be breaking records in regards to seating capacity. The venue can hold up to 40,000 seats. In addition to that, you're going to be seeing Randy Couture taking on Lyoto Machida. you got Mark Bocek and Ben Henderson and Pablo Garza versus Yves Yaboudin. So definitely looking for that, looking forward to that for GSP to defend the belt in Toronto. In some Ultimate Fight Night news, Ultimate Fight Night 23, which is Fight for the Troops, um, will be taking place January 22nd at Fort Colleen, Texas. Um, Chan Sung Jung, who I was really excited to see fight, he was supposed to be fighting Ronnie Yaya, um, withdrew from the fight due to an injury. So taking his place will be Mike Brown. Mike Brown is coming in um, after a loss to Diego Nunez at UFC 125, so he's going to be stepping in for the Korean Zombie. That's going to be free on Spike TV. Uh, the main event for that card is Evan Dunham versus Melvin Gillard. you got Tim Hagen, Matt Mitrione, Mark Hominick, and George Roop. It's rumored that the winner of this fight will be getting a shot at Jose Aldo. Um, a lot of people are looking towards Hominick for, for the nod, but George Roop is... Uh, he came off that victory against uh, Chan Sung Jung, so you never know. Definitely can't count out George Roop. Pat Barry is going to be fighting Joey Beltran, which I am sure is, has fight of the night written all over it. you got Cole Miller and Matt Wyman. On the prelims, you got Mike Guyman and Demarcus Johnson. Um, Ronnie Yaya, like I said, and Mike Brown. Um, you got Waylon Lowe on the card. Charlie Brenneman's on the card. Eve Edwards is going to be on there fighting Cody McKenzie. So definitely some great fights, and it's for a great cause for the troops. So that will be taking place January 22nd. In some UFC 131 news, according to MMA Junkie, um, UFC 131, which takes place June 11th, is um, going to be in Vancouver. So definitely a huge presence, a huge MMA presence in Canada. It's uh, definitely something I'm looking forward to. In regards to UFC 131, it's going to be the first uh, event in Vancouver since UFC 115. So definitely going to be something to keep an eye out. UFC 130, May 30th, May 28th, I should say, is expected to be headlined by Quinton Rampage Jackson and Tiago Silva, as well as Frank Mir versus Roy Nelson. So definitely two fights I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, Tiago Silva, of course, put on that performance um, against Brandon Vera. Very good performance from Thiago Silva. I don't think he's going to be uh, slapping anybody around when he gets in the cage with Rampage. Um, Frank Mir and Roy Nelson, everybody expected Frank Mir to actually be facing Brock Lesnar with the anticipation that they would do the ultimate fighter together. That is not the case. I'll discuss that hopefully later on in the broadcast. So Frank Mir and Roy Nelson seems to be the move. Um, a couple of weeks back, I was discussing the controversy between the match of Leonard Garcia and Nam Fan during the Ultimate Fighter finale, but now it seems that they will be getting an opportunity for a rematch. Um, it's been rumored that verbal agreements are in place for UFC Fight Night 24. That's going to be March 26th. So Nam Fan and Leonard Garcia 2 will be part of the main card due to the split decision. Now... One thing we talked about last week was the Frankie Edgar-Gray Maynard uh, draw, which, of course, sets up a third match between these two. Originally, they were going, the winner of the fight was going to be meeting Anthony Showtime Pettis to unify the lightweight belts. Unfortunately, they will be proceeding with the rematch, which is fine. Um, Anthony Pettis does not want to wait. He definitely wants to get back in the cage. 
So rumor is that he will be fighting Clay Guida, either at UFC 130 or 131. Actually, I think that's a really great fight. Um, Anthony Pettis, of course, does not want to sit around, especially um, considering he's a lightweight uh, title holder, and I think he's willing to forfeit his opportunity to fight Clay Guida. That's that's huge, especially Clay Guida's coming in after that victory over Takanori Gomi. So definitely a, uh, a fight of the night for sure. Um, De Silva actually corrected me. Definitely a shout-out. Thanks, De Silva. Um, if Mark Hominick beats George Roop at Ultimate Fight Night 23, he'll be fighting uh, Jose Aldo at UFC 129. So thanks for the assist, De Silva. I appreciate it. Moving on, of course, the UFC conference call happened this week. And as such, there was the big announcement for the Ultimate Fighter coaches. As shocked as I was, I'm sure many of you will be, that the coaches for this season will be Brock Lesnar and Junior Dos Santos. Uh, the winner of that, the win, well, after the season's over, those two will meet, and the winner of that fight will go on to fight Cain Velasquez once he returns from shoulder surgery. I think a lot of people weren't really feeling the fact that these two guys were coaches for a couple of reasons. First one, first reason was that these guys don't have any legit beef. If there's anything we know about Brock Lesnar, that he makes himself very easy for people to dislike him. I have a feeling in the weeks leading up to this season of The Ultimate Fighter, there's going to be one or two things that he'll make sure to say that will get under Junior Dos Santos' skin, and the heat will be genuine. In addition to that, a lot of people have been complaining that, you know, Junior Dos Santos doesn't know English. They are incorrect. Junior Dos Santos does speak English, so that will not be a factor. One of the big things that everybody's looking at is the fact that Brock Lesnar is extremely antisocial. He's extremely private, and he's going to basically have a camera in front of his face for the next six to eight weeks. And as such, his, his life is going to be an open book. And I think, personally, that's going to make for great television. You have a guy like Brock Lesnar who is super private, super moody, very easy to dislike, and that he will be actually coaching upcoming fighters, which should be interesting because, you know, a lot of people, they're they probably not going to give Brock Lesnar the respect he deserves just because, you know, of his background and his limited career. Junior Dos Santos, on the other hand, has the opportunity to allow viewers to learn more about him. And um, I think that for Junior Dos Santos, it's good. It'll allow, it'll allow viewers to, to learn more about him as a fighter and as a person and it will allow people to also choose who to root for this season. And not for nothing, I don't feel bad that these guys don't have a beef because the whole purpose of the Ultimate Fighter is to focus on the fighters, and I think that as of late, that has actually fallen by the wayside, especially with certain coaches that got genuine heat because the focus ends up going towards the coaches. Uh, you can reference that with Rashad, and Rampage is a great example of that. Their animosity was so big that the fighters kind of fell to the background. You can even cite GSP and Koscheck a little bit in regards to that as well. I mean, GSP did a really good job of deflecting the attention between his issue with Koscheck and putting it back on the fighters, so definitely props for that. So the ultimate fighter coming soon with Lesnar and Dos Santos as your coaches. The UFC announced that Mirko Krokop is going to be fighting Brendan the Hybrid Schaub at UFC 128. 
Uh, UFC 128 is going to be March 19th in Jersey, so definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Strike Force Heavyweight Tournament. I was actually a guest last night on MMA Gospel Radio, and we were discussing it, and a lot of details came out today that really just confused the hell out of me. Um, if you want to hear that, you can actually head over to blogtalkradio.com slash MMA Gospel or look for MMA Gospel on iTunes, and you can check out yesterday's episode where we discussed the heavyweight card. Um, a couple of things, though. Strikeforce announced that they're actually setting up fights for alternates for the Grand Prix. Announced in that press release was Shane Del Rosario. He's going to be fighting LeVar Johnson. You got Chad Griggs. He was the guy that, that made Bobby Lashley quit. He's going to be fighting Guillaume Viante. In addition to that, you got Valentin Overeem, the brother of the one and only Alistair Overeem. He's going to be fighting Ray Seffo. And those, those fights are going to be added to the February 12th Strikeforce Grand Prix kickoff event. On that event also, you're going to be seeing Fedor. He's going to be fighting Antonio Bigfoot Silva. And Andre Arlovsky and Sergey uh, Karatanov are going to take on, are going to lock up for the two bouts that are part of the heavyweight Grand Prix. The other two bouts, of course, are Alistair Overeem and Verdum. And you got Brett Rogers and Josh Barnett on the other side of the bracket. Now, initially, everybody was saying that it makes no sense for Overeem to be in this tournament considering he's the champion. Um, I actually said it last night that in any, in any movie, in any tournament, in any video game, you fight your way through challengers and you meet the champion, at which point the belt should have been on the line. Strikeforce actually clarified that, and they had the following to say. Scott Coker um, was quoted as saying the following. The event will showcase the depth of talent for the Strikeforce heavyweight roster. Shane and LeVar are two products of the Strikeforce Challenger Series that have been instrumental in developing raw talent. We are proud to welcome them to our championship series for the first time February 12th. In addition to that, the, the way it works is that the belt will not be defended in the tournament. What happens is that the winner of the tournament will be receiving a Grand Prix champion belt. Scott Coker said the following. All quarterfinal and semifinal matches will be scheduled for three five-minute rounds. The tournament final will be five five-minute rounds for the Strike Force World Grand Prix Championship. So let me get this straight. You got the champion in there clearly with a belt, but he's going into a tournament to win another belt. It, the logic in that just it escapes me for the simple fact that why not just have him at the end of the tournament and the winner of the tournament fights Overeem for the title? No, we're just going to make up another belt. So, as I said before, Overeem's title will not be on the line. And when asked what would happen if a fight, if there was a draw, Coker responded, if any fights result in a draw, an independent fourth judge will determine who advances or who wins based on the fighter's overall performance in the fight. Coker added, we will have a fourth judge on hand scoring the fight independently of the three that we normally have. When asked about the possibility of injuries, which in tournaments like this can happen, if a fighter qualifies to advance in the tournament but for any reason cannot advance, we are forming a five-persons tournament review committee who will select a fighter to advance in his place. This fighter will be chosen from a pool of fighters that will include the previous opponent and the winners of reserve matches. Again, so... If somebody loses, 
and the guy that wins gets hurt, the guy that loses still advances, or possibly a replacement. It just makes zero sense to me. I mean, again, Overeem should have just defended the belt, or he should have just been excluded from the tournament. I mean, I know that you guys want to get the you know you guys want to get the good buy rate regarding Strike Force, but it just logically doesn't make sense. I mean, I'm very excited for for a Grand Prix tournament. I mean, it brings shades of Pride Fighting. In addition to that, which I elaborated on last night, it opens um, a lot of these fighters to the U.S. market that we've never seen fight before. I mean, a guy like uh, like 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 Karatanov and Josh Barnett. Those guys, they, they haven't really been introduced to American audiences on such a large scale. I mean, Brett Rogers has been established as a, as a strike force heavyweight, and we've seen him fight. Overeem has only fought once in strike force. For Doom, Bigfoot, Silver are strike force names already. Fedor fought once in his loss with Verdum, and of course, you know, he fought Rogers at one point and Arlovsky. Uh, the odds on favorite, of course, is for Fedor and Overeem to meet and for Overeem to probably make it to the finals. How that goes, I, I can't say. I mean, a lot of people feel that for Fedor, and I said this also, it's a chance at redemption so that he can once again establish himself as the, great, as the greatest heavyweight fighter in the world. Um, the winner of the tournament will get a title shot against Overeem, which is fine, but why not just make him fight Overeem? It, it, it just seems so contrived. I mean... The Silver brought that to my attention in the chat. I just, I'm not feeling the dynamic. I'm excited for the fights as a fan, and the fact that they're free on Showtime is great. But just the dynamic doesn't jump out to me as, uh, as uh, you know, it was great. But we'll see. You know, we'll see how it unfolds. Um, nonetheless, I will uh, run through the next bit of... Uh, MMA news, and uh, Michael Jai White should be joining us very shortly. What do we got? My notes are a little messed up because I have a lot of windows open. Uh, do, 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 do. Oh, Phil Baroni, of course. I wanted to reference that, of course. Phil Baroni was cut by the UFC after his loss, his recent loss. I was very bummed about that. But, um,. Nonetheless, he has actually signed with uh, Titan, Fight Titan Fighting Championships, and he will be debuting March 25th. And I was just told that uh, Michael is on the line, so let me just bring him on board, because I know that he is pressed for time. Michael, how's it going? Hello. I'm good, Hello. man. How you doing? I'm pretty good, man. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. I know that you're a little pressed for time. It's all good. It's all good. I wanted to tell you I'm a huge fan. I've uh, I, I've seen all the way from your movie from Tyson all the way up to um, Blood and Bone, and I heard that you're actually getting in the director's chair for um, Never Back Down too. Yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, it's going going pretty well. I'm uh, just been editing, and uh, you know I completed it, so it'll it'll be out probably in the summer. Nice. I know that Todd Duffy's in that. He actually fought recently in Japan. I watched him fight um, Alistair Overeem, who I mentioned earlier in the MMA segment. So you you got a lot of good right. talent in there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, I was I was you know, talking to Todd quite a bit. Like he he took that fight on eight days' notice. 
Yep. And you know that was that was a crazy one to be fighting uh, Alistar on, 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 in eight days. You know, uh, but um, I mean, I, I would love to see Todd do it all again the way Todd knows how to fight because there's no heavyweight that has the, the footwork that Todd has. But he, you know, unfortunately, you know, I think the game plan um, wasn't solidified well enough. You know, because if he, you know, Todd could fight like a, a middleweight. He moves very quick. He has a very dynamic striking for sure. Oh yeah, he was a guard. He was like guard in college in, in, in his basketball team. Like he was like the one of the fastest guys on the team at that size. I mean, the, the dude is like, I mean, he's he's going to be a force. Well, I heard also that um, are are you going to be in it as well, or are you only directing this time? No, I'm I'm in it as well. I'm kind oh, of the okay. uh, Mr. Mr. Miyagi of the movie. Ah, okay. Yeah. Who's um is is Evan Peters playing your um your protege? Uh, you can kind of say that a little bit, but Evan Peters is in it. I mean, we got um Alex. Uh, um, damn it, <laughs> Alex Mraz from uh from Twilight. Uh, oh, okay. And, um, yeah, Scott Epstein. You know, you know, I don't know if you know who Scott Epstein is, but he's a you know former UFC uh fighter as well. He's he's Chuck Liddell's jujitsu coach. Yes, yes, I think I actually saw him on a season of The Ultimate Fighter as well. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a guy who was uh you know one of the coaches on um. Ultimate Fighter. He's one of the main actors in it. Nice. Um, you know, Leota Machida makes a makes a cameo. So he and oh, I are training, training training together in the movie. And um, also Eve's Edwards. We got oh, some nice. good people. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna be good, man. That that's actually it. You know, it was funny because after I saw I saw Blood and Bone, which I which I really enjoyed. Um, the the fights in that movie were really were really awesome. I you know Kimbo Slice was in it, which was cool, and Bob Sapp, um, who who are a household name. I wanted to ask, especially over the course of your career, how have you had to evolve your your martial arts, especially now that MMA is taking the forefront? Have you been studying more MMA just to to integrate it more into your existing fighting style? Well, I mean, it's just brushing up on what I used to do anyway. I really started with Japanese uh, jiu-jitsu years ago. Um, and um, and basically, I've been doing uh, jiu-jitsu, grappling, and did wrestling in college. It's just more of, um, you know, what I concentrated in before. I've, I've been working with, I mean, consistently, I've worked with a lot of people from K-1. Um, you know, I've been training with a number of jiu-jitsu top folks like uh, Eddie Bravo, who's also in nice. Never Back Down, too. Eddie Bravo uh, Eddie Bravo actually plays the DJ in the movie. And, oh, uh, that's a nice and little so, Easter egg. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, he, you know, of course, Eddie put, it, put down his expertise in the, in the jiu-jitsu stuff anyway. So, we got, you know, we got, like, just the, the cream of the crop as far as talent in this movie. Yeah, I'm definitely. I definitely want to check that out. I also wanted to ask you. I noticed that you had definitely been studying up on your MMA after seeing you in Undisputed Two. I was. I was a little bummed in seeing Undisputed Three. I'm sure when you read my tweet, I had actually seen Undisputed Three, and I was surprised that you didn't even make a, a cameo in that. Kind of to elaborate on what happened to your character. Was that by choice? 
No, well, it, it's not really by choice. It's, you know how things go sometimes. They think that um, <laughs> going with the other cat is going to be um, uh, profitable. I think. Ah, um, yes. You know what I mean? You, you know, I can I can go I can go deep with you as, as far as that's concerned. But um, oh, I, I, you know, you, I see. We've seen that we've seen that happen uh, a number of times. Uh, just just look at Blade Three. You know. Yeah. You see, you see yeah, what they try to do, right? So um, so it's it's uh, you know, I I really you know I had no, I mean as far as the the the, the part three, they you know they they chose to go that direction. Were you approached at all, or? No. Wow, that's cold, man. Hey, it's not. I mean, you know, that that's a favor for me. Hey, one of the things I feel like, you know, I I did my thing, and you know, it's like uh, they prove a point for me, basically. You know, so yes. I don't have to really do much. I don't have to say much. I feel like, well, uh, you know, <laughs> that that's cool. I mean. The funny thing is, I have heard from them since, and for some reason, um, I haven't gotten around to calling them back. Hey, there's no harm in that. Right. So, uh, you know, <laughs> it's all good. I mean, you know, water finds its own level. Absolutely. And at, and at some point, it's going gonna, it's gonna to overflow the glass, and then somebody's going to have to clean it up. So, you know, if you got to make them wait, you should. I mean, one of the things that, that happened was you, when you – did the second film, you revived that franchise because, you know, everybody thought it was one and done and you guys pretty much rewrote it in such a way that it catered to to a newer audience. On top of that, you know, just the dynamic and the training that was involved, especially, you know, you coming in playing a boxer exclusively at the start of the movie and just showing that transition into a, a mixed martial artist was, was really well done. And I actually enjoyed the fact that you know, it developed over time. Like, it wasn't something that was rushed. So, definitely, i got to commend you for that. Thank you. Thank you. One thing I did want to ask, and, and you know, I'm, I'm definitely keeping an eye uh, on, on the time. They, um, a lot of the audience, including myself, are, a lot, are huge fans of your work in Black Dynamite. I saw you um, on Attack of the Show when you were promoting the Blu-ray and DVD release. And I know that there was talk of the animated Black Dynamite but everything's been kind of quiet. I heard that you had done one episode. Where are you at with that? Well, uh, r right now, well, we um, it's supposed to be with Comedy Central. They're trying to figure out what makes the best sense. I mean, it, there's there's all kind of political stuff that's being hashed out. But I, you know, I'm letting them do that. You know, my thing is, I, I you know, if they get it all figured out, hey, I'm there. I've been I've been laying down voice verse wo voice work for them, but you know, my you know my attitude is I keep it moving. So if it if it solidifies, I'm there. Hopefully, it fits in the schedule. But it's something I'm down to do if they make it work. Hey, that that's that's really good. I'm surprised. You know, I was doing a, a little bit of homework too, especially because I'm a comic fan and you were involved in the Justice League TV series doing voice work as well for Doomsday. Oh yeah, yeah. So you know, I was yeah, I, I was forget about that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah your, your voice work is uh, <laughs> yeah, your voice work is something that that you know, especially because your voice is very distinguishable. Do you get a, um, approached a lot for voice work as well? Um, you know, I, I, I guess I get my share. Uh, sometimes I'm you know not really available, but yeah, I um, 
No, I'll 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 do the voice thing when I can. Is it is it something that um is more time is more time consuming, especially you know versus preparing for a film that you know at least you're on on location, you could you could rest. You know, I've never I've never gone into into the details of voice work, but you know, how, how's a typical day, day like that work? Well, I mean, that's not my my priority. I mean, it just kind of you know Supplement. it's flexible. It it, it, it works it works with your schedule, but um, okay. I don't know if I do a whole lot of it. I I, I feel like in the future I might be doing a lot more, but right oh, okay. now it's uh, you know it, it's one of those things where it's yeah you know it's kind of like a dessert you know you you I'll have it every now and then but you know I I I, I like when you mentioned doomsday I I tend to forget it it's it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of weird you, you go you go in you you know you read a character. And you're done. You leave. It takes maybe a couple of hours. You're gone. And then in a year, it comes out. <laughs> you forget that you did it because it's one wow. afternoon a year ago. You know, you know, it's or you've done a couple of episodes and it's a couple of after afternoons in 2009. You know, <laughs> and so you forget. You know, that's crazy. Well, I actually got told yeah. that I know that you gotta um you gotta go and eat because I know I'm, I'm cutting into your grub time. Um, but I, I definitely want to have you back, man. I had such a laundry list of questions to ask you. I'm a, little, I'm a little bummed that we had some time constraints, but I know that, you know, as, a, as an MMA fan and as a martial artist and as a fan of your work, I definitely would love to talk to you again with, with more time permitting, of course. Well, I mean, you know, I've, I've, got, I've got more time. I'm going to be, like, driving toward the, toward the thing anyway. So, you know, oh, okay. I, mean, I got another yeah, yeah, at least ten minutes. All right, cool. I, you know what? I, it's been bugging me. I, I just heard about your um your work with with the uh, Mortal Kombat short, and um, uh-huh. I know that originally you were supposed to be doing Mortal Kombat, but you opted to do Spawn. Um, how did it feel after that? How that Mortal Kombat uh, that short dropped, and everybody was was you gave everybody hope, man. What happened? Oh <laughs> uh, well, the hope keeps going on. I mean, because. Uh, Warner Brothers has, has signed on to do the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm shooting. Well, Warner Brothers wants to do. We're gonna do like a, a, a couple of short films. Well, not not a couple. Like actually, like five short films on each of the characters. And then our intention is to go to do the film right after that. I'm leaving next right. month to do the the, the Jacks portion of uh the, the, the you know the the Jax film. So that 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 short that you saw that we put together has has come to fruition. So we're we're moving forward. And so it looks All like right. you're you're gonna bring a, a new version of Mortal Kombat. Oh I'm I'm very excited for that because the the way it was put together and it added more of an air of realism. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, I've, I've, I've played all the games and, and it's fun to go that route, but you guys, you know, making, making some of the characters like serial killers, making you more of a cop versus military, it added a, a more real-world vibe to it. And when it happened, and, you know, we talked about it on the show and just amongst, you know, my colleagues and some of my friends, we were, we were surprised that they went in that direction. And a lot of people felt that it showed promise, so I'm very excited to hear that you're working on it further. Yeah, well, you know, it's just about you know, grabbing, grabbing the reins. You know, basically, they was us. 
You know, so it's just like we wanted to do it. Myself, Kevin Tachirowin, I was, you know, who directed it, and uh, Larnell Sobel, who's like like my brother, who you know we you know choreographed it together. We got together our folks and we shot it. And you know, and the rest is now. You know, you see what what's come of it. Uh, we didn't want to wait for anybody's um, permission to do it. We went out and shot it, and it affected you know you know the, the future of the whole franchise. So I mean, you know, if anything, I would impart to other people is just go out and do your thing. Just do it because we didn't have the rights to do it. We just did it, and when 13 million people responded, well, you know. <laughs> You can't deny it. Oh, oh, absolutely. Especially people who who uh, have money to, to to be gained from it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it was funny because when um, one of my colleagues had had asked me about um, your work in The Dark Knight, which is funny, just because you know you your your character of Gamble was kind of the guy that that helped introduce the the psychoticness of the Joker to to the audience at the start of the film. How, how was it working on that project, and, and how were you picked for that role? Um, just, um, you know, I was selected, basically. But, um, I mean, working on that on that film was re- really tremendous. I mean, I, uh, I mean, Heath Ledger was a really nice guy. I mean, it's, it's sad uh, what happened, and it's sad that some people think he might be one of those um, tormented, or kind of, you know, um, eccentric actors. He was nothing like that. He was just a regular dude. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't like he got, like, possessed by the character or was some, some, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, like a, a method actor or anything like that. He was just as, as cool as anything. In fact, he and I was trading magic tricks all the time, you know. It was just <laughs> nice. You know, like you, you, you call action. Then he goes in the character, and he asks everybody, "What do you think? You know, should I do it this way or that way? You know." And he was just a real cool guy. And uh, and then and Chris Christopher Nolan has got to be like one of the most talented directors out there in the world. And he's just a regular guy. He's like a dude that you would see in Home Depot. I mean, he's oh, that's he's, pretty funny. It's one of the one of the coolest, most laid back sets I've ever been on. But you wouldn't think that at first because, you know, just the, the caliber of, um, of talent on there. But it, it, was, it was like a party. Oh, that's great to hear. Did you have to audition for that? Or, and are you at a stage in the game where you still have to audition for roles? I mean, you're very, you know, you're very established right now, and especially with your martial arts background. Are you still having to go out there and audition for roles? Well, sometimes, especially when it's something that, we uh, know that it's very different for me or whatever. I mean, I, I don't mind that, but but that role I didn't have to audition for. Oh, nice. How's um in regards in regards to that when you go to audition, especially with, with your martial arts background, are you in a thick competition or or you know do you feel that you're one of the few African American martial artists that are out there? that are almost a, a shoo-in for roles. Or is it competitive for you or well, is it something where you can go in there and, 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 and get in quick? Well, the majority of my stuff is still not martial arts stuff. Right. I mean, like, it, it, you know, when you, when you kick somebody in the head in the movie, it tends to kind of overshadow other stuff that you do. That's but, right. <laughs> but, but, like, it's, you know, because it's so specific that people 
tend to want to put you on that particular shelf. Of course. Uh, but there are, there are a lot of things I've done, you know, that, you know, make sure that when I started, you know, started being serious about my career, I uh, I shied away from doing any martial art movies because because of that very fact that people will start defining you by that. Um, right, right, absolutely. So, I mean, I mean but my baptism into it is, you know, I mean, I, you know, Mike Mike Tyson, uh, you know, even Spawn, even though you know Spawn's an action movie, it's no, it's got nothing to do with martial arts. It's, it's nope, a, not in the uh, least. Commentary. But uh, but really, until I did. Um, Universal Soldier, I had not really done martial arts in a movie. I wanted That's to keep right. that a secret. Uh, you know, but you know, still, but because of that, I think I still get a chance to do uh, various roles. I mean, like, why did I get married? Got nothing to do I with was just about to ask kind of martial that. arts. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and I, you know, I continue to do that. And, uh, I, I just, I just uh, did this, um, I just got nominated for a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a, um, uh, NAACP award for for drama I just did. And, Congratulations! And again, I play a cop, and it's not a, not a martial artist. But those roles that I do, even though that's the majority of the stuff I've done, they, they you know I still you know there's that tendency to still categorize me as a you know martial arts guy. But you know that's yeah, okay. Yeah, you start I mean, off Broadway. There, there are worse things that happen. You know, what I mean, there's there's people who would kill for that problem. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I know you've done off Broadway. Um, you've done a little bit of off Broadway work. Um, I know you were in Kill Bill too, which it's funny because I had to actually, especially because that's one of my favorite movies. I had to really look deep for that because I had originally gotten the Japanese version because it, you know, it was. Uh, oh. You know, I had most of the missing footage, and then when I saw the American version, and you were in one of the deleted scenes, I was. It, it was really cool. How was it working with David Carradine? Oh, David! David Carradine was a friend of mine. I mean, so it, it, it's always great working with your friends. As was um, Quentin Tarantino. Actually, a funny thing is that Quentin Tarantino used to come to the house. I used to have black exploitation night at the house. We would watch two black exploitation movies. And like you know, play games and all that type of stuff. Quentin used to come around there all the time, and it was incidentally like when I was going to do Black Dynamite, when I was putting it together, Quentin was involved, but he got re real busy. Well, you but, know what? Uh, on the subject you know, of black exploitation, what's your favorite one? What's your favorite movie out of the black exploitation genre? If you could pluck one out, which is your favorite? I'd have to say the Mac because the Mac stands up as a solid movie to this day. I mean, if you did the Mac right now, it, it, it's it's really a, a powerful film. And, you know, it, it, it's it's really, if you look at, I, I would challenge people to look at the Mac and then look at Hustle and Flow. And right. I feel that, like, I feel like the Mac, well, Hustle and Flow is just a current Mac. You know, but the original Mac, it was I mean, it was really politically charged, and uh, you know the the um, the drama between the, the 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 two brothers, the mother, and the, you know what was going on politically. I mean, that was a powerful movie. I would encourage people to look at that movie again, and uh, even though sometimes it it seems like the pimps that that whole pimp uh, world is a fodder for comedy, it, you know they treated. You know, it was it was a very serious thing 
That's a, that's a that's a very real commentary on what was going on at the time. You know. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, the 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 seventies. It was. It's funny because. I, I've seen a decent number of black exploitation movies. I mean, uh, I think one of my favorites has to be Coffee. It made me a huge fan of Pam Greer's work. Um, and most of them, they they really, especially when they were talking about drug use and and some of the stuff that was going on, they 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 kept it real. So, it, you know, I'm definitely gonna have to check out the Mac again. I haven't seen it in a while, but I think I'm gonna have to sit down and uh and look at it from a different perspective, especially you know, given given your ringing endorsement. Well, I mean, uh, Max Julian was was fabulous in, in, in that movie. I mean, it, it was a movie that had a lot of realism. I mean, you know, being a hustler at that time was something that was kind of respected because a lot of doors yep. were closed to folks as far as making a living. I mean, it, it, it was it was it was real bad for a whole lot of people, and um, I just think it's um, I would encourage people to look at films from that 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 time period because. It wasn't about political correctness or anything. You saw true, true art, true voices, true to life. And, you know, nobody was saying, "Oh, we got to put a quotient of this, put a quotient of that." All they knew was about, you know, bringing the real to screen. Sometimes, so you know, I think that that, you know, I, I feel like the '70s for music and film were, were the best decade. Well, you know, I have to enjoy the '70s on video because I'm an '80s baby. But um, you know, I um, you know I've watched I've watched enough, especially you know early stuff with Pryor. I know that Pryor was in the Mac as well. You know, to to go back to some of those movies, the quality of film, and you know, I, I complain about it on the show a lot, has deteriorated in response to you know how people like to go with a lot of fluff. You don't you don't see too many pictures that delve into how it really goes down. I mean, the 70s and the 80s, they kind of kept it, you know, yuppies did cocaine, and, and, you know, they depicted society like it was. Now they always try to sugarcoat it. Do you feel that Hollywood in that respect, in that response has gone kind of soft in regards to what they oh, put out? Oh, far, man. The formula movie has robbed people from real experiences in movie theaters. I mean, you know, this formula thing is just, is just corporate. And, you know, I... You know, I don't really. You know, I'm not feeling. I, I'm not feeling that. That's why the '70s movies were, you know, were some of my favorites. And not only that, just as you know, as a, as a black man, I feel like it was a renaissance period because it never since then you have not seen the depiction of alpha males and alpha black females since that time. I don't know what has become of it, but. Anybody who, I mean, if you start naming the characters, like the Jim Browns, Fred Williamson's, the Billy D. Williams, you had, at that time, you had very dominant, very smart, attractive, um, you know, ass kickers, both men and women. I mean, you go, you got to say, well, where's our Billy D. Williams now? Where's our Pam Greer now? Where's our, yep. and it, it, it keeps going on, it go it goes on and on and on. Harry Belafonte, you know. Well, we have our Sidney Poitier, which I think is in in the you know visage of uh, Denzel Washington, but he's like the only one. Yep, he you is. Know, so he's the only one that's kind of weird. Him. Yeah. So, but how were we so well depicted 
by our, you know, strong, like, powerful black and black males and females in the 70s, and yet we have a black president, and you could only name one today. It, it, that is it's true. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, like really. How, how did it? How did that get better? That got better. I don't. I don't know about that. No. no I, I have to agree. I mean, you know, in in response to that, how how is it now when you go to read for roles and you know have you had to turn some roles down because they were just you know just total fluff when you read them? Oh, absolutely. I turned down the majority of things. I mean, that's. I think. Um, I, I you know. I take the advice of Denzel, who I'm sure took the advice of of Sidney Poitier. Uh, and, you know, when he says, I mean, a lot of a lot of times your career is shaped from the things that you do not take. You know, I mean, Denzel is not going to take a role that's beneath him. That's right. That's why he's Denzel. You know, so that's true. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things, and you know, sometimes I don't expect people to really. Com- completely get me, you know, they say, well, why Why didn't you take this role? Why weren't you, why didn't you not want to be in, in, expendable? I mean, uh, you know, I I see a very clear reason why, <laughs> but other people may not see that. Well, no, I, I, I totally understand. I mean, you don't want to be in that, you know, relates back to what you were saying about being cast in martial arts movies. You don't want to be known as a one-trick pony. I mean, even if you look at Denzel's career, you know he's got he's got a couple he's got a very very small number of films that I personally thought were abysmal. I mean, you know, like like Virtuosity, you you can dig in there, but you have to dig really deep to find bad Denzel movies. And I, you know, in looking at your at you know at your filmography, I, there were some there were some projects that I didn't even know you were involved in. I was like, wow, you know, it, it's very diverse. So you know, I, it, it's funny how you say that the that the role of the, of the minority and the African-American actor is diminished. And, you know, most of the time they try to do more comedy as opposed to more serious pieces. Well, yeah, and, and, and it comes down to the material that's written, you know. There's not many, I'm just sad to say, there's just not many things written for African-Americans that show them in a, in, in a um, glorious light. I mean, it's usually... Something violent or, or, you know, somewhat funny. You know, it's like, it's it's uh, it's just. I mean, I don't want to complain about it. I I have to use that that frustration to yeah create new things. Well, now that you're now that you're directing more. No, go ahead. I apologize. Go ahead. Oh no 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 no. That's all I'm saying. No, what I what I wanted to ask you know now that you're that you're in the director's chair and you're looking at the other side of you're you're working behind the camera, do you feel that you know you're you're gonna try to be the 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 spearhead in terms of getting better quality stuff out there? Are you gonna try to diversify yourself? I know you're doing you know you're doing Never Back Down, but what other projects are you gonna try and do behind the camera? Is there any other projects besides that? Oh, there's a number of them. I, you know, my my thing is just create win-win situations. I. I have projects that are, are, you know, financially viable where I, I make I make who everyone who's connected with me a great deal of money so I can continue to do what I want to do, you know. So it's, it's pretty much, you know, simple as that because, you know, that 
you know, you, you make money, uh, you get to keep doing it. So, I mean, you know, that, that's really part of my formula. But you can have something that makes money that also uh, educates, that also stimulates and teaches. I mean, there's no rule that says that can't be done. You know, so that that's that's my brand that I want to be connected to, and, and, and I won't do anything other than and less than. So, you know, it's pretty clear for me how to get it done. So, you know, I just got work to do, and I ain't even close to where I plan on being. You know, your your formula, I, and, you know, I, I respect the way you're looking at it because it's true. I mean, you, you, you know, you, you've jumped around, and, and, like, you know, if you got to – you've taken some movies where, you know, you had to rely on your martial arts, but, like, you know, it's giving you the opportunity to bring out other other projects, which, you know, I had actually heard a rumbling, and, you know, I don't know how how 100% legit it is that you're working with Jet Li soon. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, my, my, my thing is uh, I don't ever like to, like, claim it until, I mean, I'll be on the set and, and still not even claiming it. <laughs> but it, it, it's kind of like the, the the way the way I I like to look at stuff is this way. I mean, I mean I can get a role, and sometimes friends and family wonder, well, how come you're not? You don't seem excited. I was like, well, I haven't done anything yet. I just got the role. You know, the the work is uh, in front of me. I mean, so I'm gonna focus on knocking this out of the park, and guess what? Then I'm excited. So yeah, when you, you know, when you, you know, did Black Dynamite, all these things. What's that? No, that. No, what I was saying was that when you did Black Dynamite, and you know, when you were doing press for it, you were you were so animated and excited about the project because you you put in a lot of your own blood, sweat, and tears into it, man. So you know, it's it's great seeing that, especially like you were saying, because you're really grounded with that stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, I I, I feel like if you did the best you can do, now it's time to celebrate. And celebrate hard, you know, because, uh, you know, you did something. But until that time, I just say, well, hey, you know, this is on, the, this is in the books, this is in the works, but, you know, it's not a, it's not a conclusion yet. All right. I respect that. I, uh, I, I won't press you too hard for that. That's cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that, I mean, it, things look very good, but, uh, you know, I look forward to, being, you know, to, to talking to you when when it's uh, when it's it's been wrapped. Oh, absolutely. The yeah. door the door is definitely open for, for you, man. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of your work, and you know, all you got to do is either you or Lori just give me a call. Hey, I want to come on. Want to talk about this? And you definitely got a home here, especially from from a fan perspective. You know. Well, I appreciate you, bro. I appreciate it. I'm I'm assuming you're at your destination. It's time to eat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it's time to do that. They, they, I've been uh, running around on E. Oh man! All right. Well, I, again, I, I appreciate you for for coming on and, and taking the time out to, out of your schedule to do so. And like I said, keep us in mind, man. I definitely would love to talk to you further. Like I said, I had a a litany of questions for you, but um, I, I made a lot of headway, so I appreciate that. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll do it again real soon. Call Lori because um. You know, I you know I I've just been nonstop with the editing process, so it's been cutting into everything. So I mean, okay. I'll be done soon enough. So yeah, we, we we can do this again. 
Absolutely, definitely. Um, enjoy enjoy your dinner, and we'll talk soon. All right, bro. Take care. All right, man. Have a good night. Later. Okay. Bye bye. All right, folks, that was Michael Jai White. Um, his next project is Never Back Down 2. You should be seeing that this summer, so keep an eye out for it. And you heard it here first that there is some Mortal Kombat stuff going on, so definitely keep an eye out for that as well. And, of course, you know, he's going to probably come back and we'll talk more about it, so definitely want to throw a quick shout-out there for Michael Jai White for doing it. You can actually follow him on Twitter. He is at Michael Jai White. Um, you can probably look in my timeline at my take radio and you can find him in there. Um, he doesn't update his Twitter a lot, but definitely keep an eye out for sure. And, um, he'll be stopping through in the near future. So there we go. All right. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about wrestling. We're going to talk some movies and we're going to talk some video games right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like <laughs> Well you won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing We're broke as hell and uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard so um, if you're looking for a show like that that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights, on all games. Yes, sir, we promised you a great main event here tonight. Look at that here, Andre, the giant hustle radio. Everyone has a price, man. All right, let's talk some wrestling. TNA Genesis, which should have been called TNA Exodus because it was the exodus of creativity. Can you know? I'll be completely frank with you guys. I'm a I'm, I'm a huge supporter of some of the wrestlers in TNA. Um, some of those guys go in there, they bust their ass day in and day out, and deliver us consistent entertainment. But sometimes I tune in and I see complete and utter dog shit. And it, it offends the senses that there's so much great talent being showcased in that company that is barely scratching the surface in terms of being creative. It's always the same cookie-cutter shit with the same six or seven dudes. It's, it, it's a real sad state. I mean, there were a couple of high points in TNA Genesis, but the majority of the pay-per-view was low points. It's, it's absurd. It's, um, it's absurd that... They expect people to part with their hard-earned money to see something so lame, which, which is a terrible way to say it, but you know what? I'll just break it down for you guys. Of course, going into the pay-per-view, Jeff Hardy had your TV, your world title. Douglas Williams had your TV title. Lethal had your X Division. Madison Rain had your knockouts title. The Motor City Machine Guns were your tag team champions, and your TNA knockout tag team titles were held by Angelina Love and Winter. You would never have guessed that because guess what? You barely see those belts on television. Nonetheless, it opened up with the TNA X Division match with uh, Kaz and Jay Lethal. Not a really bad match. On the contrary, the guys had really great chemistry. 
going into the match. There were some really great spots. Um, Jay Lethal and Kaz definitely work well together. And if the feud is done right, you can actually exchange that belt back and forth a couple of times. You can even throw some specialty matches in there because I really see great chemistry between the two of them. I mean, you know, you, you, Kaz broke out the flux capacitor, which is cool. And, you know, of course there was the ref, the ref bump and, you know, it sucks, but it's, it, it has the potential to be such a great feud. It was, it was absurd. It was absurd that, that this was your opening match. And then we go into Mickey James and Madison rain, which, you know, Mickey James, she's a mixed bag. Sometimes she has really good matches. Sometimes she has really shitty matches. It all depends on who she's working with. I mean, Madison rain isn't the worst uh, of the knockouts, but it's definitely not. She's definitely not the strongest in-ring worker in regards to putting on consistent, you know, three and four star matches. The match was as good as it, as it was to, ex to be expected. Madison rain did retain, uh, Tara ended up did getting involved, and she was a catalyst in Madison Rain retaining her championship. But it was just very, very forgettable. Your TNA Tag Team title match, which you knew on paper was going to be really good with Beer Money versus the Motor City Machine Guns, did deliver. It was a solid match. These guys, the problem that I have with them is that you can only continue to go to the well so many times with these guys because they consistently, every time they meet, whether it was in their best of, I think it was their best of five series or in, in, in a litany of other matches, they, they've always had that, that great chemistry. It's almost like when you look at Team 3D and Edge and Christian and the Hardys in, in WWE and the chemistry they had and the great matches that you can expect from those three teams. The same magic is there. But you're going to have to work on building another team, whether it's Generation Me or, you know, maybe putting the Hardys back together, which I'll discuss later on as to why I'm saying that. There has to be another team, an extra team in there that can help, you know, deflect a little bit from these two teams. Because right now, you know, Beer Money did win the belt, and it was a disgusting match from start to finish. Really great, really great wrestling, some really great spots. But again, now what? Now Beer Money has the belts. What do you do? Motor City Machine Guns rematch? Is it, is it worth doing at this point? Have you squeezed the juice for all it's worth? This, this goes back to what I was saying in terms of building new stars, where TNA is just relying on old hat. It's, um, it's sad, you know. It's sad that those are the only two tag teams you have to work with, considering that when TNA started, they had so many great tag teams. I mean, you can go America's Most Wanted. You can go Triple X with uh, Loki, Christopher Daniels, and Primetime Elix Skipper. Uh, of course, Beer Money Now, Motor City Machine Guns you can go. Um, Daniels and AJ Styles at one point. There were so many, um, even Team 3D for that matter, there were just so many great tag teams at, at different junctures in TNA that the fact that you're trading the belts between these two tag teams is, is sad, and I really hope that they apply themselves to get better tag teams in the division. Um, Bully Ray, or Bubba Ray Dudley, versus Brother Devon was about as shitty as you'd expect. Um, basically, they're just going to drag this feud out a little bit more. Of course, Ray ended up winning with a DQ, uh, via DQ, because Devon took a chain and started whooping him with it. It was, it was passable, but the fact that you're trying to get singles careers out of these two guys is just, I don't see it being successful. I really don't. Of course, the TNA title match was supposed to be AJ Styles versus Douglas Williams. Unfortunately, AJ Styles did get hurt. 
Um, and he should, he's actually going to be sidelined, I believe, six to eight weeks. Um, Abyss did take his place against Douglas Williams. It was a total clusterfuck just because Abyss only works well, at least to me personally, in a hardcore rules environment. Um, chain wrestling or doing any type of technical wrestling with a guy like Douglas Williams is complete bullshit, and it just looks so so terrible that I can't even say the match was passable. It was It was really shitty, and it was only because there was no chemistry between both guys due to the, the, the conflict of styles. Moving on, Rob Van Dam was supposed to be fighting a mystery opponent um, that Immortal had handpicked, and that mystery opponent turned out to be Matt Hardy, who, of course, it's official now. He's part of TNA. I was a little bummed, and I'll tell you for a couple of reasons. Matt Hardy has been on the Internet complaining about wrestling, fans, this, that, and, you know, of course, extolling the virtues of, of how, how he's going to work hard and you're going to see a reborn Matt Hardy and a new Matt Hardy. So when I heard Matt Hardy was going to show up, I expected to see, I don't know, a, a, a guy in better shape, maybe a haircut, something. He showed up with Bo Derek's braids. You know, he had these really thin fucking braids and his long-ass hair. It looked totally fucking stupid. Um, he didn't look as in shape as you'd expect. The guy's been home roughly three months. Anybody that tells me that you can't get in shape in three months, I've dieted well and bulked up well in 90 days, period. If you're sitting on your ass, you know, if he invested as much time into himself as he did into putting out YouTube videos, then his appearance on, on the pay-per-view would have been something great. But it's just... It just didn't look good. It, uh, it's some sad shit. It really is. But the, 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 on the plus side, if you put Matt and Jeff together, you get another viable tag team, like I said earlier. But it just the, the debut for what it was wasn't impressive. There was no shock and awe. You know, when somebody new debuts for your organization, you know, like when Kurt Angle debuted in TNA, that was fucking huge. When Samoa Joe debuted in TNA, that was huge. When Christian debuted, it was huge. When Matt Hardy fucking debuts, you could hear fucking crickets, which is, which is some sad shit, especially considering the career that he's had. Moving on, the MMA exhibition was just appalling with Jeff Jarrett and Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle ended up winning uh, the third round and the match with DQ. Um, there was a blade job in the match. Uh, the cameraman totally fucked up because we actually did get to see Angle Blade. Um, ugh, it's absurd. It it really is absurd. The, the fact that you actually saw a blade job on television is is sad. It's it's really fucking sad that your cameraman can't even get a camera shot right, and we actually see a blade job. Following that was the number one contenders match with Matt Morgan and Mr. Anderson. Uh, Mr. Anderson did win that match. The match was actually pretty good. One, Morgan's another guy that he just needs the right person to work with, and he has so much potential, this dude, that, yeah, a lot of people give him a lot of shit. Oh, you know, TNA, fucking, they put him in the spotlight. You know what? He's a young dude, and what are you going to do? Not put him in the spotlight, and then what, become WWE? Give the guy a fucking chance, you know? Too many people, Matt Morgan, he shouldn't be anywhere near the belt. He's mid-card at that. Look, unless you're writing the shit, let the guy rock. I mean, the match wasn't great, but it was good. It was really good. I enjoyed it. I, as long as I enjoyed it, I'm not going to sit there and say it's a five-star match, four-star match, three-star match. It doesn't matter. 
What matters was the fact that you were entertained. And, and honestly, they told some really good storytelling in the match. Uh, Mr. Anderson winning was good. It was, I, I really expected it because I didn't see Matt Morgan getting anywhere near the belt, much less winning it. Um, I think probably in another year or two, you can definitely see Matt Morgan with the belt. Of course, the TNA world title match was with Jeff Hardy and Mr. Anderson, which, surprisingly enough, Mr. Anderson did win. Mr. Anderson is your new TNA champion. You know, he goes from WWE mid-carder to TNA world champion. Of course, there was interference. Mick Foley got involved. Rob Van Dam got involved. Eric Bischoff got involved. Flair got involved. Matt Hardy got him. It was a... See, that's what watered down that match. A match with Jeff Hardy and Mr. Anderson you'd think would be decent just because, you know, Mr. Anderson doesn't have shitty ring work. He has really good varied offense. Jeff Hardy, if he's motivated, can give you a decent match. But there was a thousand people running in. A thousand. You know, Rob Van Dam getting involved, you know, he has that beef with Jeff Hardy, which is fine. But it's interesting because they totally threw everybody a curveball considering Immortal won all the other belts except the big one, which which Jeff Hardy lost. It's going to be interesting to see what they do now with Jeff Hardy because personally I always felt that he didn't even fit in with Immortal. On the contrary, if he's going to form a group, it should be him, Matt, Shannon Moore, and Jesse Neal, period. Those guys all know each other. They all work together, and I'm surprised they didn't bring Shane Helms in, who actually signed with Lucha Libre USA, which I'm surprised because I kind of saw him in TNA kind of being involved with that stuff, especially with their, his close relationship with the Hardys and with Shannon Moore, but total curveball. But the overall pay-per-view could have been significantly better. I just felt like I said it was really an exodus of creativity. There was a lot of safe a lot of safe things. The only big thing that they did pull the trigger on was putting the belt on Anderson. So let's see what TNA does with it at this point. You know, you don't see – they didn't go any further with the amazing red angle from last week with his brother. I mean, from the week – from the early – I believe it was the week before last. You know, they totally swept that under the rug, and now I'm hearing a whole bunch of other shit regarding that angle. And um, it just doesn't look good in some respects for TNA, just with the, the way they do shit. And I, I really hope they, they can improve because otherwise people are just going to stop watching and then it'll be another promotion that had so much potential just fall by the wayside. With that, let's segue into Monday Night Raw, shall we? Monday Night Raw was good for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, The Miz is still the champion. Edge is your champion for SmackDown. Uh, Monday Night Raw started off well. You know, you got the... You got a CM Punk led Nexus, of course, involved. So things things should be interesting. You are of all things that a lot of people were were complaining about was CM Punk's involvement with the Nexus. I really feel that at this point the Nexus angle has run its course. I mean, Wade Barrett pretty much got got booted from Raw. He is now on SmackDown, and of all things, he's feuding with the Big Show, which I don't understand because, honestly, you, should, you could have done an, the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of a scenario where Wade Barrett gets booted from the Nexus and starts working with John Cena to attack the Nexus, at which point you can even do something where the Nexus faction is split and some guys align themselves with Barrett and some guys align themselves with Punk. You can even do feuds right in that alone. On the contrary, you can even do something where you take Wade Barrett, you bring back Michael Tarver, you bring back Skip Shedfield, 
and you put him with Barrett to go against CM Punk, Otunga, and Justin Gabriel, maybe make uh, Justin Gabriel the conflicted guy. And you can actually tease a lot of heel turns or, or face turns just with Justin Gabriel's character alone because you wouldn't know which, which side he'd be in with. It's absurd. I really think that there's so much potential with the Nexus, and they're just dropping the ball to the point where they're just not relevant. Um, a couple of matches I'm just going to run through real quick. Alberto Del Rio and R-Truth. Um, Alberto, Alberto Del Rio, he ended up winning uh, via countout. Alberto Del Rio is a guy that you really got to he, – he has tons of potential, tons of talent, and I really like what they're doing with him. They're really showcasing him in a lot of different ways. He has shades of, of Rick the Model Martel arrogance, which, which is good, especially because it's a throwback to the old school heels. He even has a little bit of uh, Eddie Guerrero in there, a little bit. Not too much, but he definitely has shades of Eddie Guerrero as well. So definitely, Alberto Del Rio is going to be a guy you got to watch. Um, and some tag team action, you got Daniel Bryan taking on uh, Mark Henry against Ted DiBiase and Tyson Kidd. Um, they ended up losing, being on the losing end with uh, Tyson Kidd eating a world's strongest slam. Um, I always hate doing the covering these big guy, little guy tag team matches or big guy, little guy matches because they're always booked so, so poorly. And you know that Mark Henry's killing everybody in this match. He is ginormous. It's a miracle he didn't fucking eat Tyson Kidd. John Morrison and Sheamus, of course, they're really taking advantage of the fact that these guys work very well together. Um, they're going out of their way now to reinforce John Morrison's use of parkour. Um, take that for what it's worth. Um, it's fine. You know, he, his gimmick has come a long way. I guess they're really trying to use the parkour gimmick to um, kind of punch up his offense, which is fine. Uh, the match itself was decent. Sheamus actually ended up losing, which I was very shocked about. Uh, John Morrison with the running knee to the head as a finishing move. Um, I don't know why he's not using the Starship Pain as much, uh, but nonetheless, I can I see tons of potential. These are the two guys that you got to keep an eye on, that they don't become the new uh, Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin of, of our you know of the newer generation. Just because that chemistry is in there, a lot of people say that John Morrison's mic work is suspect. It is to an extent, but you know what? I think that with gradual uh, main event exposure, that will improve for sure. Um, of course, there were a couple of Cena promos, CM Punk promos. I'm, I'm not going to sit there and elaborate on it, blah, blah, blah. John Cena, you suck. Fuck you, CM Punk, you suck. CM sucks should be your real name. Yada, yada, yada. Moving on. Your main event, which is what I couldn't believe, was The Miz and Alex Riley versus Jerry Lawler and Randy Orton. You see, I don't mind Miz and Alex Riley and Randy Orton, but why, you, why is Jerry Lawler on my TV so fucking much? What blackmail does he have on Vince McMahon? Did he catch Vince McMahon with a tranny? Like, what the fuck, man? Jerry Lawler is a commentator. I'm seeing the commentators being in the ring more than the fucking wrestlers. Ugh. What a fucking piss-poor main event to go with to close it out. It's, it's absurd. It is absurd. Especially just because, all right, the Jerry Lawler and the Miz thing, it's been done to death now. Now it's getting fucking boring. It, 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 was, it was passable before because it was fun, but now now it's getting fucking boring. That, that's for damn sure. But 
WWE is actually doing a little bit better than fucking TNA. So I actually just looked at my notes, not to go off topic too much, and I realized that I missed a ton of MMA news, which sucks. But um, it's not too much, so I'll cover it next week. My apologies. Um, that wraps up the Raw Report. I do want to go into some wrestling news. First off, according to TMZ, get this, Angelina from the Jersey Shore is in negotiations to work a match with TNA, potentially against Cookie. Cookie, of course, is the, the snooky uh, homage that TNA has along with Robbie E., who is one part Paulie D., one part situation. And, um, of course, Wow popped up on TNA not too long ago, had a little bit of an exchange with Cookie. Now they're looking at bringing Angelina in. It's just yada, yada, yada. Let's just fucking soak up the last vestiges of shit that the, that the Jersey Shore fucking cranks out. Really, TNA, that, this is what you're going with? You're just, you're just, you know, jerking the MTV dick and, and taking what fucking would squirts out and throwing it on television? It, it's, a, it's appalling. It really is. I mean, I know you guys want to give validity to the, to the Jersey Shore gimmick, but it's run its course already. I mean, the, the show's already on season three, and people are going to tune into that. They're not going to tune into Angelina uh, fake fight when they can watch the Jersey Shore chicks fight for real. It's, it's sad. It's some sad-ass shit that that's what they want to go with. In some Jeff Hardy news, Jeff Hardy actually spoke to TMZ because he plans on actually um, pleading guilty to his drug charges, which I talked about last week a little bit. I have a feeling that this is one of the reasons why Mr. Anderson has the belt. Um, uh, if you guys don't remember when Jeff Hardy's house was raided by police, they found 262 Vicodin pills, 180 Somas, and 555 milliliters of anabolic steroids. In addition to that, there were some residual amounts of powdered cocaine as well. Jeff Hardy is saying that he will be pleading guilty to a lesser charge to get a lighter, lighter sentence. He went on TMZ and said that he will make the best of it, bro. Hardy is due in court January 20th. He said it's been a it's been a long while, but it should get it should get to an end soon. You know, it, it it really is funny that you put the belt on this guy when he was on trial. He shouldn't have got the belt to begin with because what if he what if he pleads to a lesser charge and still gets locked up? Not to say that he won't that he will because it's been said that he's a first time offender, so you know he may get probation or some shit. But what if he gets locked up? What if the guy would have had the belt and gotten locked up? Stupid, stupid, stupid. Stevie Richards announced on Twitter that he has officially left TNA. He posted on Twitter that he, the following, just left Universal Studios, had a great talk with Terry Taylor and Vince Russo about making the decision to quit TNA wrestling. Thanks for everyone that's been there for the past two years. Not to not to be a total asshole. You know what? Fuck it. I will be a total asshole. When Stephen Richards quits your fucking company, Stephen Richards, Doctor Stevie, when he's the guy that's quitting your fucking organization, when he's quitting voluntarily and not getting canned, you know there's a fucking problem. Seriously, like when Stevie Richards is like, fuck it. I don't even I don't even want to be on TV twice a week. I don't even want to do it. And he quits. It, it, it's, uh, it just doesn't say a lot. It doesn't. Something that was put out recently 
um, in a couple of different websites is the fact that rumors are going around that WWE is no longer taking talents over the age of 30. They are only actively seeking talents under the age of 30, especially talents that they can put in their developmental system. What's been said is that it's not an official edict, but they are using this as a measuring stick. So I guess, you know, we won't be seeing Marty Jannetty wrestling on Monday Night Raw anytime soon, will we? It's, you know, it's great that you want to go that route, but you know what? Even if you do get talent under 30, we'll probably never see them on TV because you're going to keep the same six guys up there because you have no belief in your fucking talent. So whether they're fucking 30, 70, 28, 8 years old, fucking Triple H's unborn baby, it's not even going to matter. Because you'll never see them. You'll never see them. In some Ring of Honor news, which I actually want to discuss two things regarding Ring of Honor. Um, El Generico, the generic luchador who had his really fantastic feud with Kevin Steen that wrapped up at Final Battle, actually got a tryout match on TNA against the Amazing Red, who of course is a guest and friend of the show. A couple of reasons why I'm a little bit annoyed about this tryout match happening. It's the fact that El Generico did a tryout match with Amazing Red. Great. No one gets to see it. No one. It's like, how, how does that happen? How does El Generico get a match against the, the, the Amazing Red? And, and, I'm, and, you know, there's definitely going to be some high flying in that match for sure and great ring work. And, and nobody sees it. Nobody. Of course, El Generico is under contract to Ring of Honor, but the president of Ring of Honor, Carrie Silken, does give his talent permission to try out for other organizations. It's happened before with Brian Danielson. It's happened with Roderick Strong. You know, they both worked dark matches for WWE and TNA. Of course, Brian Danielson, we know, made it. Roderick Strong, Roderick Strong stayed in Ring of Honor. But... It's it, it, I don't know, man. I really would have loved to have seen that match. It was it was it was a disservice to not find a way. You should have at least made that an explosion match. You should have made that maybe a TNA web match. Something. I know that you know the Ring of Honor talent is contracted and they have a television deal, and you probably don't want to showcase a guy from another organization. But you know what? Grow some fucking balls, man. You know, I remember TNA had great working relationships with Ring of Honor, with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and talent came in and showcased their talent. You know, the World X Cup and, and shit like that. We had, you know, great Japanese wrestlers, Canadian wrestlers, Mexican wrestlers, all competing from other organizations on your television show. And people tuned in because they wanted to see that shit. But, of course, none of that happened. TNA wants to fucking close their borders and not let other talent be showcased. Why the fuck not? If you're not going to push your talent that's already there, at least bring in some of these guys so people can tune into your product and possibly stay as fans. How does that happen? Ugh. In some other Ring of Honor news, which I'm a little bummed about, Ring of Honor will be discontinuing their relationship with HDNet. Um, they will have their final tapings January 21st and 22nd in Philadelphia. I'm really bummed, especially because I went out of my way to get HDNet to watch Ring of Honor. It's, uh, it, I don't know. I'm bummed. I'm very bummed. I know that, that Mist is in the forum, in the chat room, I should say, and she was saying that the El Generico match showcased Amazing Red, and 
I'm sure it did, which is another thing. You have homegrown talent in there that you can showcase just the same. You know, put it like this. You could have built El Generico and Red's match is, is a main event on, on an impact. It's a match on a pay-per-view. There should have been some way for that match to be seen. Even if you didn't want to cite him as wrestling for Ring of Honor, everybody knows who El Generico is. The Amazing Red, the guy wrestles, and, and I'm not even saying it because he's been on the show. He can come out, pick his nose, flick a booger at Mike Tanay, and the crowd would cheer for it because that's the type of vibe the kid gives off, period. And to put him in a match with a guy who, who has a, a great reputation as being a, one, of the, one of the best guys in Ring of Honor, you, you, can't, you can't let the audience see that? Why? Why can't you do that shit? It, it's stupid. It's, it's really fucking stupid that you didn't fucking squeeze that for all it's worth. That could have gone so many different ways. It could have gotten people noticed. Not only that, but TNA should be working with Ring of Honor because you know what? At least together they'd have enough talent pool that they wouldn't have to fucking showcase Jeff Jarrett's whiny ass every week and his stupid bullshit-ass MMA segments that suck a fat dick. It's absurd. Jeff Jarrett's MMA segments are shit. They are shit. What, you want to extend a feud with Kurt Angle over Kurt Angle's fucking wife, who's not even his wife anymore? She's married to Jarrett? That's how you're going to go? Which, by the, co by the way, coincidentally, she was on Impact this week because... That's the angle they're going for. They're going to go for the real-world shit, once again, biting off the WWE with the Matt Hardy and Lita situation, and this is what we go with. This is the, the, the gems that we go with when you got guys that, that, are, that are good, that are genuinely good. You know, Christopher Daniels left. Homicide left. Hernandez doesn't even want to fucking come back. He's in Mexico wrestling. What happened? P.D. Williams leaves, regardless of how people feel about P.D. Williams. He was, he was another viable X-Division guy. I don't know where the hell fucking uh, Desmond Wolf is. I'm hearing that he had some medical issues and that he should be coming back. Where the fuck is that guy? Brutus Magnus, you got him in there. You don't do nothing with him. He hangs around with Douglas Williams. That's it. You don't do shit else. Why don't you put those two together and maybe throw in another viable tag team? Who is writing this shit? Really? I'd really like to fly down to Florida and be picked for Double J's MMA challenge because I would walk in there, kick him squarely in the balls, and hit him with a chair. Because I'd say, and I'd grab a mic and, to, and say, this is not what people want to fucking see. This is not wrestling. And then I'd walk out, and I'd probably have shit thrown at me, and probably security will beat my ass. But you know what? It would be an ass whooping I would take with great pleasure, that's for sure. For those of you that are wondering where Batista is, which I'm sure there's only a whole five of you that are, besides his MMA career that he's working on and the shame of his daughter putting out porno tapes, uh, Batista is actually in Hong Kong working on a film called The Man with the Iron Fist, which is being directed by the RZA. Uh, Russell Crowe is also in that movie, as well as uh, Strike Force fighter Kung Lee. Um, I'm actually looking forward to the to the man with the iron fist, RZA and Russell Crowe are the leads in that film, and they're going to be in, uh, obviously in China. And I'm hearing great things, and, and it's going to have a really great Kill Bill vibe, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of any kind of martial arts flick, so I'm going to be watching this. And I'm definitely trying to figure out how Batista is going to be in any sort of movie that takes place in Hong Kong and who the fuck he's going to be in that. Ah, yes, The Undertaker. 
a fitting way to close out the segment. The Undertaker was at SmackDown this week. Um, he, of course, was rehabbing his shoulder. He went down there to visit Michelle McCool. And it's been rumored that Wade Barrett will be facing him at WrestleMania, either him or Ezekiel Jackson. Um, I'm not going to elaborate on this story any further because I don't want to spoil SmackDown for the next seven people that are in the forums or the chat or listening that actually give a shit. So watch SmackDown this week, and then I will elaborate further as to why Wade Barrett and what that has to do with The Undertaker and Ezekiel Jackson. So keep an eye out for sure. Of course, TNA has been saying that they're working on a new faction that will be competing against Immortal. Kurt Angle will likely lead the stable, and a lot of people are saying that it will be the return of the main event mafia. Once again, taking that shit and recycling the fuck out of it. Um, I'm hearing that Scott Steiner may be coming back as well. The only reason Scott Steiner needs to come back is to cut promos, not to wrestle, because his, his yammering, retarded semi-coherent promos are actually a guilty pleasure of mine where he just sits there and he rambles off, flexes three or four times, and attempts to hit on whatever female interviewer is interviewing him. It's a guilty pleasure. He's one of the few old dudes that can come in, and I'll actually take much enjoyment in just watching him interact with, uh, with the announcers. His wrestling isn't what it used to be, and, you know, that's what happens when you got, you know, 25,000 pounds of chemicals flowing through your body. But, hey, the fact that they're going back to this whole main event mafia shit is that why can't y'all just do the shit with Immortal and only make it against Immortal? Immortal and Bischoff, and leave it at that. Get rid of Hardy, get rid of fucking Abyss who doesn't fit in. On the contrary... Like I said before, Jeff Hardy should create his own little faction of, of freaks and minions, and Abyss should be with that dude. He fits, because he's, he's, a, he's a whack job. <sighs> Boy, it's absurd. And, of course, this last bit of information, which I'm sure some people in the chat would love to hear, um, earlier this afternoon it was being reported that TNA was going to be doing away with the X Division, which, of course, later on was updated based on a tweet from Eric Bischoff, where he said the following. By the way, I don't know what hit starved loser started the TNA is considering eliminated the X Division rumor, but it's news to me. People need to realize that the dirt sheets survive off, survive off web hits, and they make shit up to get them. You know what? It pains me to say it, but if they got rid of the X Division, no one would fucking know, because we haven't seen it. We, we barely see the X Division at all. We barely see it showcased the way it used to be. Now it's just fucking immortal and stupid, you know, the retarded four horsemen symbol and, and more bullshit. If the X Division disappeared, would anybody fucking notice? Anyone? Anyone? No! That's it. That wraps up this fucking piece of shit wrestling segment. I am going to take a quick commercial break. When I get back, we will be talking video games right after this. What are we on tonight, even? <laughs> Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you save me? This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. Blogtalkradio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? Finish him. 
Let's talk some video games, folks. First off, 3DS news. There's actually quite a bit of 3DS news this week. Uh, first off, a uh, Japanese news outlet is reporting that the 3DS game prices are going to be running at 4,800 yen, and they're going up to 5,800 yen. Basically, in United States dollars, that is an increase from $58 to 70 They haven't released any pricing yet for the U.S. systems, but you can keep an eye out for that January 19th when they will be holding a press event here in New York to discuss the 3DS. Uh, rumored pricing for United States 3DS games right now are between $40 and $50. So you're going to end up paying 50 bucks for a portable game. Will it work? Who knows? For those that, of you guys that were looking for your Super Mario All-Stars Limited Edition for the Wii and are having trouble finding it, don't go to eBay and pay that 70 or 80 bucks because Nintendo is actually considering reprinting the game. Uh, the following was stated by Nintendo's PR director. Because of the strong response, we are exploring the option of bringing this item back at a later date. Until that decision is made, consumers should check with retailers as supplies will vary by store. A couple of months back, I talked about the Michael Jackson experience on the Wii, and I also put some videos on our YouTube channel, My Take Radio TV on YouTube, um, regarding the gameplay for the Michael Jackson experience. And a lot of people were puzzled as to why this game didn't make any use of the Kinect or the PlayStation Move technologies, and only the Wii got the exclusive rights for it. Well, guess what? That's going to be changing. Um, the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 will be getting it. Um, it will be released April 12th in North America and April 14th um, internationally. Of course, it will be supported by the Connect and the Move, and you're also going to be getting two exclusive songs, Blood on the Dance Floor and I Just Can't Stop Loving You. So definitely keep an eye out for that. And Ubisoft is saying that there will be additional tracks very soon. In some other 3DS news, the Nintendo World event that was held in Tokyo this past weekend gave up a lot more information. Um, according to the event, the notes from the event, the full charge for a 3DS will take three and a half hours. That's how long it's going to take for the 3DS to get a full charge. While in use with the backlight turned down, with the backlight turned down, excuse me, you'll be able to get three to five hours of battery life. While older DS games, if you play older ones, will allow you to play from five to eight hours. Nintendo didn't elaborate on the battery life using the backlight at its brightest, but of course you're going to obviously have more battery life with the less light that you use. So it's, it's very interesting that the battery life that there is, that's one of the things that Nintendo always prided itself on, on having exceptional battery life. And um, I don't know, man, I'm not feeling three and a half hours, you know, three and a half hours to fully charge it and then only getting three to five hours of battery life. It's... Uh, Definitely a step in the right in the in the wrong direction. I know that Slick, um, who is a huge, you know, a huge supporter of the DS, is not fond of that that battery life for sure. Especially because he he plays it often. So I really hope that it improves come release date. World of Warcraft Cataclysm. Oof, I almost fucked that up. Warcraft Cataclysm is the fastest selling PC game of all time. On its December 7th release date, it sold 3.3 million copies. Since release, it has now sold over 4.7. Not shocked in the least. You know, the funny thing is that those numbers are great for a PC game, but one thing I was totally excited to read at the end of the month 
were the MPD numbers for the holiday season. And guess what, folks? I have them. Uh, first bit I want to give out is that the games in, game industry analyst Michael Pachter gave his predictions on the sales. He estimated that the 360 sold 2.5 million units in December and the PF3 sold 1.2. Keep those numbers in mind when I get into the MPD numbers and see if he was right. In some other 3DS news, and I have them thrown all over the place on my notes, which I apologize, if you're big into importing games, you may not get the opportunity to do so with the 3DS because according to Nintendo's Japanese support, the 3DS will remain region-coded, meaning that Japanese systems cannot play North American games and vice versa. I'm sure that none of, nobody really gives a shit because the DSi and DXIXL were both region-locked. Funny thing is that with the new 3DS and the DSiXL, I said to you guys months ago that one of the systems was going to be biting the dust. It was just a matter of figuring out which one it was. According to Kotaku, it seems that a Japanese retailer is listing the DSi as being out of production. The only handhelds are, that they have are in, their industry, are in their inventory until they run out. With the DSi XL still in development, it's obviously going to be the DSi XL and the 3DS are going to be your handhelds going into the future. I'm not shocked at this because really the oversaturation of, of DS units with three units on shelves just isn't working. I think the DSi XL is, uh, is honestly the, the better buy until you get the 3DS. The DSi at this point unless you wanted to play old cartridge-based games, really was on its last legs. So seeing this just validated what I said months ago, so you guys can uh, pat yourselves on the back knowing that I told you guys that um, a couple of months back. Also making waves this week was the fact that the PS3 can actually be cracked. But it seems that as such, Sony has already worked on countering that. Uh, the Digital Foundry has reported that the PS3... So once it logs in and it's unlocked, Sony servers will check your system and they can actually disable any PS3 that is running unauthorized programs. They're able to do this thanks to the terms and conditions of the PlayStation Network. It's unknown if Sony's going to do it, but nonetheless, it's definitely going to put hackers on edge that they can disable your systems remotely. So more 3DS news. Um you got two things. The friend code system may be coming back. Kotaku actually mentioned that Famitsu referenced the Super Street Fighter 4 3D and said that friends will be managed by friends codes. For, by friend codes, sorry. For those of you that don't know what those are, they are 12-digit codes that you can exchange with other players. Uh, the current DS and Wii also use that. Um, they didn't say if those friend codes are going to be universal or if they're going to be different for every game. In addition to that, it was also said that the 3DS will be getting 3D video in the future. Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto and Satoru Iwata said that they want to include 3D video in the future. Iwata said, I think it will be fun if we're able to include video recording capabilities with future updates. Definitely keep an eye out for that update in the near future. Imagine that, being able to record little 3D movies with your 3DS. Definitely something to keep an eye out. Portable gaming news continue to flood in with the PSP2 making some news this week. Um, according to the MCB, Sony's been telling people that making games for the PSP2 will be very easy because the system will be as powerful as the PlayStation 3. 
they also went on record as saying that the uh, system will not only consist of downloads for the game's library, but physical media will be used. So don't expect any of the travesties of the PSP Go. In addition to that, they're saying that the handheld may have some kind of phone, but not as a primary function. As of right now, it's rumored that the PSP 2 is going to drop fourth quarter of 2011. So that could be as early as October. Again, though, Sony hasn't gone on record confirming any of this. This is total, you know, just regular web bullshit that's out there, but i got to share it with you guys because you never know. If the PSP2 goes on to be as powerful of the, as the PS3, and they actually put work behind it, I, I can see it being a great competitor for the 3DS, but if they price themselves out of the market, I see it being another paperweight like the PSP Go. Marvel vs. Capcom 3, of course, I've been following this very closely. Of course, Mike Hagar and Phoenix slash Dark Phoenix were announced this week. Well, last week, I should say. Also on a poster that was shown to UK retailers, Akuma, who is, of course, my favorite Street Fighter, will be appearing in the Marvel vs. Capcom series as well. But they got something new going on with Games Radar, which I will discuss in a moment. I see that Slick is holding, and he has some wisdom to share with us. Slick, what's going on, dude? What's up, man? What do you got, my friend? Uh, just when you think Nintendo couldn't fuck up anymore. Just like... How so? The 3DS, I mean, you see all these games that they showed at E3 last year and everybody got all excited, but, I mean, let's take one of the titles that they did show. Snake Eater. Right. It's like, if the battery only lasts for three hours, you're not even going to get to do anything because all you're going to be doing is watching the freaking the, the movie clips. True. Because you know with, with freaking Metal Gear Solid, it's like an hour of movies to every five minutes of gameplay. This is true. You know what? Here's, here's another curveball for you. If you want to start recording 3D movies on it, what kind of battery life is that going to factor into? None. You have to exactly. be plugged in. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm very, I'm very bummed at the battery life. I'm really hoping it's just preliminary estimates. But a three and a half hour charge to only get three to five hours—that's that's the equivalent of having a netbook battery life, which you know is one of the main things that people complain about with netbooks. I, I'm really concerned and. and you know, the, Nintendo's always been such a such a workhorse in regards to their systems having such great battery life. You can testify to that, being a Game Boy Advance, 3DS, DSi, DSi XL owner. Yeah, I mean, I can, you know, the great thing about the, the DS series is the ability to do the, the soft shutoff where you just close the clamshell and the game goes into sleep mode and you can just pick up where, wherever you were. And... I can do that with a game and, you know, do that without turning the game off for, like, a week at least before I have to charge wow. it again. And that's playing the game, like, every time I get on the train. That's crazy. Like, even if you leave it, if you leave a game active and you just close the clamshell, the battery won't run out for at least a week. Wow, that's really impressive, man. I haven't, you know what it is? I haven't played the DSi. My sister plays it, and I rarely see her charging it. I mean, she does a lot of recording, which eats battery, but she doesn't charge. You know, I don't see a charge 
I don't see us the her three DSI plugged in for at least a minimum of two days. So, and I, I, I think I heard wrong. Which one? Which skew are they taking off the shelves? Uh, the regular DSI. They're keeping the XL and the 3DS. So the DS Lite is staying also. No, I'm assuming they'll probably phase out the DS Lite as well. Because there wasn't even it wasn't even mentioned in the article, so by so you know by process of elimination, I could be wrong, but there's no sense in keeping the DS Lite if you got the DSI being removed also. Well, actually, there is because the DS Lite is the only one that has a Game Boy Advance slot. This is true, but at this stage in the game, do you think Nintendo even gives a shit about, about Game Boy Advance? Shit, no, but I mean gamers. <laughs> Oh, yeah, of course, but I'm sure that there'll still be a market for that on eBay and, you know, in mom-and-pop shops because they're going to probably just let that inventory dry out, and I'm sure they got a, an ample inventory, but you got to look at it like this. The inventory for a DS Lite and a DSi is probably very large because when you go in there to, you know, for a casual consumer that walks in, they're not going to give a shit about playing Game Boy Advance games. A mother or a father are going to walk in and say, I want the Game Boy with the bigger screen. Yeah, that you know, there's no, there's no, you know, for for those of us that are in the know and for gamers, you know, there's always going to be the freedom of choice because we actually know what the fuck we're buying. You know, mom and pop and grandma that walk in, it's either lady, do you want the DS with the little screen or do you want the DS with the big screen? And obviously, more people are going to be like, oh well, obviously I want the bigger screen. Now it's going to be, do you want the bigger DS or do you want the one that's 3D? Because that's the big buzzword. So that's going to be, and at some point, they'll probably do a 3DS XL and then slowly fade out the DSi XL, too. It's just, it, it's, it's way too obvious to, to pass up. But, I mean, this shit they're doing with the 3DS, they, they really have to get on it and work on it because, I mean, one of the things you, you read a few months ago that I'm assuming will still be one of their big selling points is either the inclusion or maybe a, a mailing off or something where Avatar is going to come with the 3DS. That's right, which and I'm not I'm like, sure. That movie is fucking three hours long, especially yep. if you go into one of the extended editions. That's right. You won't be able to watch the fucking movie without having it plugged in. <laughs> Dude, this is what's going to happen. You're going to end up playing the 3DS on short car rides and in the toilet. <laughs> That's it. For three and a half hours, you know, for three to five hours of battery life, you know, leaning, and, you know, they're, they're of course, throwing the backlight into consideration. You know, no kid that I know is going to give a shit about the backlight. Because that's the problem. See, they expect that the DS and the 3DS are going to be purchased by, you know, common sense thinking adults and not whining, screaming children. And that's where they are wrong. Because, you know, little Timmy and, and little Johnny are going to fucking turn on their system and play it, and then they're going to get mad that they, had, that they don't have a charger to plug it in. It's, this, this price point for the fucking... The cartridges. Yeah, the price point for the cartridges. They better keep that shit in Japan. Dude, think about this. You know, the 3DS, 
the cartridge pricing has slowly crept up. You know that. We went from the old days of it being nineteen ninety nine to twenty four ninety nine. People entertained twenty nine ninety nine. There, we've gone up as far as thirty four ninety nine. You know, with with like some of the first party titles. You know, with like the Mario Karts and certain games. But dude, when you're when you're getting into forty dollar territory and and possibly even forty five dollar territory, it's really going to make people second guess that I'm paying forty five dollars for a portable game when I can play a game in some in some respects close to graphically, if not in some in some cases on par for 99 cents from, from the Apple store. Like, now, now, now's the thing where, and, and, you know, it's probably a different, a different game market, but, you know, Josh reviewed Infinity Blade uh, that he played on the iPad, um, the reviews on the site, and I've played enough games on the iPad that graphically it's really, sl- and, on, and on the iPhone, graphically it's slowly coming up. And think about this. If you take a game that has a decently rich storyline, and you play it on an iPad or an iPhone, and you can play that game for $5. You know, it really changes the playing field. Because think about it. I mean, don't get me wrong. You're not going to play Pokemon on an iPad. You know, so Nintendo's got it safe with Pokemon and Mario and all that first-party stuff. But think about this. You know, you're not going to play Modern Warfare on a 3DS with, you know, an hour or so of battery life when you can play it on an iPad. You know what I mean? Not that that's uh, the the right example to use, but it's a game that's been released on multiple multiple platforms. The silver brought up a good point. Angry Birds on Droid is free. That's right. And Angry Birds is on the freaking the PS3 and the 360. And how much do you have to pay for it? I think it's fourteen bucks. I, I, the the conversion of points for 360. I, I don't remember offhand. I think it's either nine ninety nine or fourteen ninety nine for um for the game. Well, if you buy the you game, you buy. Me. I think so. If you buy the Angry Birds though from the i the Apple Store, I think it's like you know it's like a couple of bucks. It's not it's not you know pocket breaking. It's just that in the sense with Android, Android wanted to do something different, and they just figured fuck it, we'll put it out for free. No harm in that whatsoever. But again, even though it's 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 comparing apples to oranges, even a game like Angry Birds has a little bit of depth to it, especially with all the replay value and the extended levels that sometimes they end up giving you for free. I'm not and talking not about I'm, I'm not talking about like quality or anything like that. It's just the fact that there are two versions of Angry Birds, two full Angry Birds games that you can give for free on Android. That's right, but you know, for those that don't own Android and they got to pony up, a lot of people will be more inclined to pony up five bucks than fifteen. You know, and let's say they put Angry Birds on the 3DS and you can you can flick birds in 3D. You know, and you and 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 somebody says to you, "Hey, Slick, you can get Angry Birds on 3DS for fifty dollars." What are you gonna say? Who gives a fucking shit? That's <laughs> what I'm gonna say. You see what I'm saying? But Nintendo, I think, is Nintendo may actually start shooting themselves in the foot if they don't price this shit competitively. And you know who's going to shoot themselves in the foot. They're not going to even shoot themselves in the foot. They're going to fucking find Megatron. They're going to find Galvatron to transform into a fucking space cannon and shoot themselves in the fucking foot. It's Sony with this this PSP2 talking about it's going to be as powerful as the PS3. So let's see. That means 
If I hold the battery it for more life will be forty five minutes. <laughs> if I hold it for more than five seconds, it's gonna fucking melt my hands. Cause it's gonna be like a portable sun. I'm gonna need a True. giant fan to blow over it just to keep it from fucking imploding. And game, companies are not gonna make games for it because they're gonna complain about how hard it is to code for it. Well, here's here's a here's a scenario that I was thinking about while while you were explaining that. You th- take this into consideration. It's being made as powerful as the PS3 allegedly. In addition to that, Stupid. they're adding they're adding phone capability. Imagine holding phone. a PSP to your head to answer the phone. Unless your name is freaking Johnny Blaze. <laughs> Or you're the human torch, you're going to fucking kill yourself. Dude, I don't understand. Like, this is the one thing. I know that we're all about, you know, convenience and merging all our devices. But let me tell you something. As an Android owner, as a former iPhone owner, I can't see myself hunched over my phone playing games for long periods of time. You know, I mean, even with the 3DS or the DSi, or the PSP, I just that was one of the things that really just didn't grab my attention. Not because I disliked that genre of gaming, but just because, you know, I'm not going to sit there fucking staring at this small-ass screen, especially if it's a game that for all intents and purposes exists on a console. I mean, one of the, one of the cool things I have to say about the PSP was the fact that you can take your, your PS1 games and take them with you, which is fine, but what I'd like to see is... You take games that you can play on this PSP2 that are smaller games, you come home, you put it in a charging dock that's connected to the PS3, and hey, guess what? I can play the same game on my PS3. Then, then you know, there's some validity and there's, there's, there's a little bit of longevity to some of these games. Or even, you know, if you have a, a, a lighter version of, say, you know, Morrowind or, like, or something like that, and you play a lower-grade equivalent, those achievements or whatever you earn can translate into the game you're playing on your console. There I see validity in it existing. But the fact that, you know, you're putting out these, these super-powerful handhelds that have, you know, three-hour shelf lives, it's not going to fucking work, dude. My thing is, somebody needs to write a note to Nintendo and Sony that basically says, um, excuse me, the economy hasn't recovered. We don't need this <laughs> shit right now. That is true. But you know what What I think? I think somebody should let these guys know that with every incarnation of an Apple or Android device, the hardware is becoming more and more powerful. So, you know, if you look at, at Infinity Blade or some of the games on the iPad or even some of the games on Android, depending on the phone you're playing, graphically they're sharp, they're crisp, they're enjoyable, and they're, and they're passable enough that you can invest an hour or two playing. So, and mind you, they are pennies, pennies, some of these games. I mean, even if you buy Plants vs. Zombies for $9.99, it's still cheaper than the Xbox Live version, which I have, but that's just because I wanted to play the shit on a big screen. My thing is, they got to understand that, you, I mean, the, the, three, the DS is proof positive. You don't need flashy graphics to make a good portable game. 
Nope, you just need an enjoyable, unenjoyable game. But you know what it is? That's, that's fallen by the wayside. The, the era of enjoyable games is gone, and the era of cinema-quality graphics is upon us. And not only that, one of the things I like is the fact that if you're going to give me um, cinema-quality graphics and you make the game enjoyable, fine. I don't care that I shell out 60 bucks. But if you churn out shit that's graphically pretty and is utter garbage to play, you're not doing yourselves any favors. Yeah, because there'll be a bunch of hype, and then you'll basically come out with another copy of Wet. Yep, which is, ironically enough, it's funny because, like I told you, I had actually got that from Gamefly, so I'm actually going to start playing that and really see how utterly shitty it is. I I just don't get it, man. Yeah, just pray for my soul. Anything else to add, my friend? No, nah, man, it's a great show tonight. Thanks, dude, but uh, boy, do I have a good one for you. Wait till I tell you about this. I'm listening. Yep, check this out. You know how you go and you buy your Microsoft points or your content from, from let's say, GameStop? And when you go, they ask you for your email address or, or whatever so they can send you shit or try and solicit you for shit? I usually try to lie and say I don't have a computer. <laughs> Hey, sometimes that works, but here's here's a funny one. Get this. According to GameStop's Sean Freeman, who told Ars Technica, he said the following, Today you pick up a card off the rack that's associated with that map pack. We ring it up as part of your transaction in the store, then we give you the code that allows you to go home and access the content. Ultimately, we want to reduce even more of that friction. So when you buy that map pack in store, we're going to be able to associate your Xbox profile with your GameStop profile and push the download to your download queue. Now, let's let's think about this, and, I'm, and I, that's why I didn't I didn't let you go to break this to you. Check this out. You got to walk into GameStop. Once you get into GameStop and pick the pick up the game you want. And after they try to, to, to force-feed you their membership, their stupid subscription, yada, 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 and generally frustrate your whole shopping experience, you have to give them your gamer tag just so you can get a map pack downloaded into your system versus just going home and punching in the code. Thoughts? <laughs> My thoughts are exactly this. You remember the good old days of Yo and TV raps, how they used to have the black T-shirt with the word bubble that just said Yo? Yep. If I ever walk into GameStop again, I will make my own personal T-shirt, black T-shirt with a word bubble, and that shit will say no. <laughs> Whenever any fucking GameStop employee walks up to me and asks me, I'm just going to pull a shirt out at them. But you know what it is? How you know that there's enough crooked shit that happens with people's credit card information, yada, yada, yada. How comfortable are you going to be giving a retailer your gamer tag? Not to say that we don't exchange gamer tags, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, or et cetera, but think of the fact that this may become a tool where they may actually push advertising your way. Think about that. You give them your gamer tag, you put in your game, and it says, your download will start right after this. Want to pleasure your wife this week? Pick up a Trojan's finger vibe. You know, like, that's, that's what concerns me. What concerns me is giving up. I don't give a fuck about giving up my gamer tag, but I know. I, I can almost smell 
the possibility of them using that to generate, whether it's advertising, advertising geared towards your gaming hobbies or commercials or bullshit. I, that I don't like, and you know GameStop is going to do that because they want a piece of everything. Exactly, and this is why I'm saying for my own little bit of advertising, the My Take Radio t-shirt shop will soon be offering t-shirts that simply say no. They will be available in black, <laughs> in rage red, <laughs> and yeah, in GameStop you know what? That would be green. I think that the front of the shirt should say, Dear GameStop Employee, and then it should just be no in like a 150 font. And then on the back it says, this message was provided by My Take Radio. There you go. It really should be that. Think think about it. (laughs) Dude, but but I just don't understand that. You know when you walk into these stores, the the experiences are very, very rarely pleasant. And when you go in there and you go, hey, can I just buy these 1,600 Microsoft points? Hey, how about we upload that for you? Uh, No, I'd rather take the card home. Yeah, but how about you just buy the card, and by the time you get home, your points are there. It's like, are you – look, I understand that convenience is taking away some of the nuances of real life, like, you know, bending down and tying your shoes, you know, putting a key in a door, you know, things that, you know, are, are the little mundane victories that we, take, that we take pride in. Like, congratulations, I can still tie my shoes, you know, because I haven't invented electric shoelaces. Or congratulations, I can stick a key in a lock. You know, these are little senses of accomplishment. They're taking away my need to grab a coin or a knife or a key and scratch a card. How much more lazy are we getting? By the time you get home, it'll be right there waiting for you. It's like, really? You fucking can't. Can I just scratch the fucking card, dude? Please? Just so five my words, our- there's five words to describe how lazy we are and how lazy we will continue to get. Those five words? Shoot. There's an app for that. Yeah, there is. a Dude, let me tell you something. There is an app for a lot of shit. And, you know, I don't mind that, but it's like I don't understand how difficult it is. And, And correct me if I'm wrong, for you to scratch off a card and punch in some numbers into your console. You know, like, like if, they t- if they said to me, if you own a Windows mobile phone with Xbox Live and you buy the card and you scan the barcode and it downloaded to Xbox Live, I wouldn't mind that because it's existing hardware working in synergy with, the, with your console. If Sony released a PlayStation phone and they said, take a picture of your card and it will read it, and when you get home, your content will be home, that's great. Fan-fucking-tastic. Count me in. But the fact that i got to give up my information for some guy to hit enter so some shit can magically appear, it's stupid. There's zero necessity for that. There's absolutely zero necessity for that. Well, I figured I would share that with you before I let you go. Fucking game stuff. I'm telling you, power to the players. Yeah, power to fucking rape your pockets. Ugh. All right. I will catch you in a few. All right, man. Later. Later. All right. We got some other gaming news for you guys. And some Mortal Kombat news, um, Ed Boon is already on Twitter asking who you would like to see as a downloadable character for the next Mortal Kombat game. 
Choices thus far are Rain, Shinnok, Kenshi, Robo Smoke, Tanya, or a possible new character. So definitely, if you're on Twitter, keep an eye out on Ed Boon's Twitter account and feel free to vote. Personally, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Robo Smoke or Rain, for that matter. It would be cool to see. I mean, Tanya's all right. Shinnok, I was never really a fan of that dude, and neither was I a fan of Kenshi. The, I think he was the blind guy, if I'm correct. But but Rain or Smoke, you know, more ninjas. There's, you know, if you want a successful Mortal Kombat game, you need more ninjas. <laughs> Always room for more of them fuckers in different colors. Sure. Sure, this guy's an electric ninja. Sure, throw him in. Fuck it. All right, let's talk some MPD numbers to close out this game segment. 2010 is gone, of course. The MPD numbers are upon us. Microsoft came out huge this year. People spent $6.2 billion on 360 games and accessories in the retail space. This led to a 42% year-over-year growth for the console. In addition to that, it was being helped out by strong Kinect sales. The Kinect and the PlayStation Move pushed video game accessories up to $1.8 billion. That's almost a billion dollars higher than last year's $853 million. As far as games goes, Call of Duty Black Ops was number one, followed by, of all titles, Just Dance 2 on the Wii. World of Warcraft Cataclysm was number three. Also making the list was Epic Mickey and the Michael Jackson Experience. Your top ten titles are Call of Duty, Just Dance 2, which which I don't it bugs me out that that's really the number two highest selling game. World of Warcraft was three. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood was four. Donkey Kong Country was five. Epic Mickey was six. Madden NFL 11 was seven. The Michael Jackson Experience was eight. NBA 2K11 was 9, and Need for Speed Hot Pursuit was 10. In addition to that, you know, you actually had some some other numbers, which is crazy, and and here's something that's really nuts. These are limited edition, factored in this are limited editions as the top 10 games of the year, according to NPD. There are actually some games that that were a little older and are still in there. Call of Duty was number one. Madden NFL 11 was number two. Halo Reach was three. New Super Mario Brothers was four. Red Dead Redemption was five. Wii Fit Plus was six. Being 20 bucks definitely helps for that game. Just Dance 2 was seven. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 was eight. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood was nine. And NBA 2K11 was ten. Definitely a great year for the gaming industry. Recession and all. It's just insane that that $6.2 billion went into Microsoft's pocket this year. It, it's, amaz- it, um, it's amazing, especially because it's a year-by-year growth. There's, there, there hasn't been any stagnation, any pause. It's just been consistent growth. So the 360 is definitely whooping ass. And in looking at the, 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 top-selling, con- the top-selling games for December, um, a majority of them are all multi-platform titles. But the amusing thing to me is the fact that World of Warcraft on a PC was outsold, mind you, top-selling PC game of all time, was outsold in the month of December by a game like Just Dance 2, which is on one console. Call of Duty Black Ops, of course, has the luxury of being not only on the 360, the PS3, and the Wii, but also on the Nintendo DS and the PC. So 
definitely huge numbers for, for the crew at Activision Blizzard, especially because they have two of their games in the top in the top three slots. You know, you got World of Warcraft at three and Black Ops at one. It's insane. And you know what? It's gonna keep growing, especially with the with more of those great titles that are coming out. Of course, DC Universe Online came out, which while not, you know, a title that's being received with much fanfare due to the MMO costs is definitely uh, one of the games that's starting off the upcoming new game season, which, of course, includes Marvel vs. Capcom 3, Tekken X Street Fighter, um, you know, another Halo game, which I'm sure is coming, possibly Call of Duty in space. Who the fuck knows? But those are your MPD numbers. That wraps up the game segment. And you know what? We are going to go right into movies, I believe, if I can actually cue up this movie intro, folks. Let's go into the movie segment. rumors have been that Mark Wahlberg was going to be playing Nathan Drake in the Uncharted movie. Rumored to be in the movie with him were Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro as being part of the project. Now, of course, first, the director said that Justin Richmond said that Mark Wahlberg had not been cast as Nathan Drake. However, Mark Wahlberg clowned the director and said that he will not only be Drake, but that Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro are part of the project. The movie hasn't started filming yet, but Mark Wahlberg has said that the team is hopefully going to shoot in the summer. You know, somewhere I'm sure Nathan Fillion is just raging that the character that he brought to audiences in in the video game is going to Mr. Mark Wahlberg. Not for nothing, I'm, I like Mark Wahlberg, but this is not a movie I see him in. Um, with Pesci and De Niro... You know, what happens next? Is Uncharted going to take place in fucking Boston, too? Is that going to be it? Because, you know, the, stranger things have fucking happened. But I, I feel that, that Nathan Fillion, with the work he did as Nathan Drake, should have continued, especially just because there's nothing wrong with the guy, and I'm sure that him being the lead wouldn't have been the worst thing ever. You know, sometimes you can't throw big budget at some of this stuff, and you've got to work with the stuff that helps establish the genre. Not for nothing, the guy who voiced him looks like him. He should play him. Fuck. Why not? But they're going to go with the safe bet and put the big Hollywood money behind it. With some box office totals, True Grit was number one. With $15, with 15, with $15 million even, it's made $110 million total. Little Fockers, for some reason, was number two. 13.8, it's made $124 million. Please let this be the last one. Season of the Witch came in at number three with 10.7. Tron Legacy got 9.8 in number four. Black Swan in the number five spot. Country Strong was six. The Fighter was seven. King's Speech was eight. Yogi Bear was number nine. And Tangled was number 10. I'm pleased to announce that they are actually going to proceed with the next James Bond flick. Very excited for that. Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig will return as James Bond. Sam Mendes will direct with a screenplay written by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, and John Logan. Bond 23 
will film in 2011 and will be in theaters November 9th, 2012. Much like I said in the wrestling segment, uh, Riza had mentioned that Russell Crowe is working on this new movie. Um, Riza also went on to say that not only is he writing and directing, but Eli Roth and Quentin Tarantino are also involved. Like I said, the film will be called The Man with the Iron Fist. Uh, Crow and Riza are your leads, and they will, play, they will be portraying inhabitants of feudal China who are forced to defend themselves. The nature of that, I do not know. But like I said, I am watching this with much interest. Here's our first bit of what-the-fuck movie news. And you know what? I really need like an intro or a segment, maybe glass-breaking for this. But it seems that they're going to do a movie about the 80s primetime soap opera Dynasty. That's right. Dynasty is going to be made as a movie. It's, 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 uh... The story will focus on Blake Carrington's discovery that he's heir to the Carrington Empire and his love affair with Alexis. John Forsyth, John Forsyth, excuse me, starred as Blake in the original, while Alexis's first wife was played by Joan by Joan Collins. Linda Evans played, portrayed his second wife, Christy. Heather Locklear, Pamela Sue Martin, George Hamilton, and Rock Hudson were also involved. There's been no casting, but they are hoping to start a film franchise. So yeah, dynasty flick, folks. Now onto something more people give a fuck about than than a dynasty flick: Batman movie news. Um, originally, it was reported that Christopher Nolan is um, working on looking on lead for lead actresses to be alongside Christian Bale's character in The Dark Knight Rises. Rumored character, well, rumored actresses, according to the Heat Vision blog, were Kira Knightley, Anne Hathaway, and Jessica Biel, which are still in the running. They're actually due to go test to, for testing in two weeks. Kate Mara is also testing, as is British actress Charlotte Riley. Gemma Arterton was also going to test, but she's actually going to be in the movie Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters with uh, Jeremy Renner, so that would conflict with the shooting. As of right now, the three main chicks in the running are Kira Knightley, Anne Hathaway, and Jessica Biel. Now, with that being said, keep in mind the three actresses, like I said, Kira, Anne Hathaway, and Jessica Biel. The sequel has two major female leads, a villain and a love interest. And there are rumors saying that it might not be Catwoman, but Ra's al Ghul's daughter, Talia. Of course, Talia is a love interest of Batman, and she's also a villain. So it may be a little bit of, of wordplay there. As such, if you looked at Keira Knightley, Anne Hathaway, or Jessica Biel, who would you have play as Ra's al Ghul's daughter, Talia? If you're in the chat, Punch it in. Let me know. Personally, Jessica Biel is the one that I can probably see working that because she, you know, Ra's al Ghul's daughter is part of the League of Assassins, and as such, it's a very physical role. I think Jessica Biel would work as a physical actress in terms of any, any physicality with Christian Bale's Batman character. If for whatever reason we went with Catwoman, I would again go with Jessica Biel because it's a, still a very physical role. Um... According to Collider, they were saying that Ava Green and Naomi Watts had been cast in the movie, but there were some conflicts in regards to that. So I don't even know who's right at this point. I don't know if there's going to be, a, you know, a love interest and a villain, a villain who's a love interest. There's definitely a lot of misinformation out there, 
but just soak in the fact that you got Kira Knightley and Hathaway and Jessica Biel still in the running. And that Catwoman may not be may not be the character, but it may be Talia. Personally, like I said, Jessica Biel, I would pick her as Ross Al Ghul's daughter Talia. If I wanted to go the Catwoman route, I would probably go with um what the hell's her name? Shit. Uh the the blonde lady that was in Hancock. Damn. I know who it is. Not not Ashley Judd. Oh, fuck. Charlize Theron. Thank you, Strider, in the chat. I would definitely go with Charlize Theron as Catwoman and Jessica Biel as Talia Al Ghul. A uh, couple of reasons. Once again, Charlize Theron, she did a lot of great physical work with Eon Flux. And uh, tight leather catsuit, no problem. To wrap up the movie news, we got two last bit of two last bits of news. Uh, for those of you that are fans of the manga series Death Note, Shane Black has bought the rights to direct a live-action adaptation. Of course, Death Note was written by Sugumi Ohiba and Takeshi Obata and centers around the high schooler Light Yagami who finds a book called Death Note, which has the power to kill anyone whose name is written in it. So, uh, yeah. I already see the negative, the negative flow coming out of the chat room. I've only seen one or two episodes of Death Note. Uh, I've seen, well, one, two, one or two uh, animes regarding Death Note. have no idea about the shit. Maybe I need to sit down and watch it. But last time I checked, live-action anime adaptations, see Dragon Ball Evolutions, usually suck a fat one. So we'll leave it at that. Next week, of course, Spartacus, Gods of the Arena, returns to stars. And as such, many people have been asking who will be portraying Spartacus in the upcoming season. As of right now, it's down to two actors uh, to take over the role of Andy Whitfield. Uh, right now, it's either Dominic Purcell from Prison Break. He's in contention, as is Liam McIntyre from the Pacific. Uh, Purcell allegedly emailed studio heads a screen test last Friday. Um, the decision right now is between him and McIntyre. Um, there's some concern that McIntyre doesn't have the build to play Spartacus. I think Purcell has is, is the bigger actor um, in terms of name recognition. And, you, you know, he was really good in Prison Break, so I, 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 I kind of see him portraying Spartacus. Nonetheless, the announcement will be coming soon. As you know, Andy Whitfield had to resign due to his battle with cancer. So definitely something to be watching in the coming weeks. Spartacus Gods of the Arena debuts July 21st on Stars. So if you got it, I recommend you check it out. If you've never seen Spartacus, I recommend you check it out. Um, I believe you can actually stream it on Netflix, or if not, you know, just find the right place to get it. But I recommend you check it out for sure. Uh, with that, that actually wraps up the show for this week. Uh, definitely, once again, I want to thank Michael Jai White for stopping through uh, for our 74th episode, episode 75 next week. A uh, couple of plugs i got to throw out there. Uh, VGN Radio, of course, Video Game News Radio, got to give them a plug. Check those guys out. They actually broadcast on Sundays. Um, they're actually on Ustream now. Uh, to get a schedule and to get other episodes, head over to VGNRadio.com and check those guys out. Um, also in that grouping. i got to include Don Anderson from Tumbling with Tumbleweed. Uh, you can listen to his show uh, Tuesdays at 10 o'clock on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Of course, MMA Gospel, got, got to get a shout-out for those guys. Gary and Amy do a kick-ass job with their MMA coverage, and you can check them out Wednesdays 
at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on the Blog Talk Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com slash MMA Gospel. Uh, if you want to hear about the Strike Force Grand Prix, I was on yesterday's episode, and I believe it is available for download. So check it out. You can actually hear me ramble coherently about MMA on another show other than this one. In addition to that, I've got to throw a shout-out to uh, Razor Rob. He will be competing in Bellator. His website is razorclothing.tv. Of course, the always supportive crew from Beantown Gamer, beantowngamer.com. Uh, check those guys out. Superherostuff.com, of course, huge supporters of the show. Look for them on Facebook. In addition to that, girlgamer.com and gamingangels.com are also supporters of the show. Uh, Josh from MMA Valor, not only is he a content partner and a great colleague, but he's also um, a great columnist and gives great views on MMA. So check him out at MMAValor.com. Also check out our content partners for wrestling. This week, uh, this is Wrestling Podcast. You can look for them on iTunes. Lastly, of course, got to give a shout-out to Born Stubber Radio. Blaine actually helped with the creation of MyTake Radio 3.0, which is still um, in its rough stages. So check his show out, BornStubberRadio.com. Of course, 411 Mania for all their great coverage, MMA Junkie for their great MMA news, Film Drunk for their really fucking kick-ass Hollywood news, and, of course, OC Remix for the theme music. And uh, for Michael Jai White, you can look for him on Twitter. He's at Michael Jai White. And also, you can check out his official website. It's MichaelJaiWhite.com. That's going to wrap up My Take Radio for this week. It is episode 74 for Thursday, January 13th, 2011. If you have any emails, questions, or concerns, or would like to be a host, I mean a guest, excuse me, you can email me at mtrhost at gmail.com. If you're on Twitter and would like to vote for us in the Shorty Awards category, uh, you can add My Take Radio. It's at My Take Radio on Twitter. Or if you want to add my personal account, it's at Akuma25. On MySpace, we actually still use MySpace once in a while. It's myspace.com slash mytakeradio. And, of course, our Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash mytakeradio. Stop in, click that like button, and show your support. We're well on our way, hopefully, to 1,000 fans. I'd like to hit that before we make our next anniversary. So check us out on Facebook. Last but not least, the iTunes app is in the Apple App Store. It is $1.99. Take My Take Radio in your pocket anywhere you go, along with bonus content. Check that out in the iTunes Store. And, of course, our recently launched T-shirts. It's My Take Radio Tees, T-E-E-S, .spreadshirt.com. I'm sure that URL is going to change very soon. And that's it, folks. Thank you all for listening. Again, thanks, Michael Jai White, for stopping through. And um, all of you guys in the chat, thank you guys for your contributions, and I'll catch you guys next week. I'm out of here. Peace. Taking us out this week will be Go Back from Streets of Rage 2 by Gecko Yamori, and you can get that at ocremix.org.